and Grace watching Stargate. They made a podcast that's on iTunes that you should rate. Nix is a super fan. Grace is pretty new. Kaylee the Thorgy will help them make it through. Bartender Nick is here to make them drinks. As they reference random pop culture things. Crying out loud, they'll put a smile on your face. There's no place like Tara with Nix and Grace. Welcome. To episode... 149. 149 <laughs> of There's No Place Take Terror, a Stargate first watch, rewatch podcast. I am Nixie. And I'm Grace. And today we are watching season seven, episode 17 and 18, Heroes. Um, I couldn't even think of an AKA. So I, I couldn't... It's just Janet. ...find one. But a, a line kept coming back into my mind. Yeah. When, uh, when I played my first D&D campaign with... Mr. Phil and friend Amanda uh-huh. uh, and uh, a domestic partner, Jesse, yeah. <laughs> uh, as was our DM. And we essentially had a total party kill, but not. Yeah. Um, and uh, friend Amanda's character was the only one awake. So she comes to my character and, and DM Jesse goes, what are you going to do? Uh, and we we're like, well, what should she do? And then Mr. Phil goes, she shakes her and goes, what cleric do? <laughs> <laughs> so, that kept coming to mind. So the AKA is what, what cleric, cleric do? <laughs> yeah. Because Janet is our cleric. We've lost our cleric. Oh, um, ain't no party like a D&D party till the cleric is dead and we're all out of motions. <laughs> Not my line, but I love it. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, we're going to do what we do in this episode. This at times will be very lighthearted. This at times will be probably one of the deepest episodes we get into. It's going to be. So get ready for times. a roller coaster of emotions it's here. It's going to be a time. Um, there's no place like Tara. Um, so this episode first aired February 13th and February 20th. This is a two-parter that aired as a two-parter. Um, and part two is actually Stargate's 150th episode. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense because yeah. we're at 149. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, I will say that I want to thank Nixie for not making me wait a week <laughs> to find out what's going on. Um, which was a blessing and a curse because yeah. I found out that, well, Jack's not dead, which was what they lead you to believe. They very beautifully lead you to but believe. But then the happiness only lasted. Yeah. For about 20 minutes. To be fair, you found that out after you find out that Janet's That's the one true. that died. That's very true. Oof. So this is written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Andy. I've been pronouncing your name wrong since the start of this podcast, Makita. <laughs> I will now correct that. <laughs> so how were we saying it? Mitka or something like this. I kind of briefed oh. over it because I knew I was pronouncing it wrong. It's Makita. Makita, that makes sense. Um, there's a couple... Listen, this episode not only has one absolutely top-notch guest star, we have a couple. Yeah. Um, so let's just start with the man who knocks all of his shit out the oh. park so strong, Saul Rubnik. Saul Rubinick, yes. Everyone's favorite curmudgeon old man character, yeah. Not old, but curmudgeon man. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is German-Canadian actor, director, producer, playwright, most interesting man in the world. Yeah. Uh, I think he's most well-known, at least for me and I think my circle of friends, for yeah. being Artie on Warehouse 13. That is where I know him from. But And here's, here's a testament to how 
good I think this guy is, I was convinced yeah. that he was on West Wing. You were completely convinced. I was convinced. But here's he's not. He, I think it goes, and I actually had this in my notes, that... Um, that Emmett is written as a Sorkin character. That's that's in yeah. the best possible, slightly melodramatic way. Of, yeah, that's why I love Sorkin is he's, because everything's a little overboard. He's great, and he's great at, at these characters who provide a sense of a conscience. Yeah, he he's in an episode. Well, a, being an asshole. Yes, he's in the which is it's funny. That's exactly what it leads to. So one of the other things I know him from is if you're still watching Grey's Anatomy. Thank you. I mm-hmm. I'm with you. <laughs> It's kind of a shit show for a little while, but I like where it's coming again. Um, I even have at the end here that have seen this here on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, and so he plays, um, I believe, if I remember him properly, he plays Meredith Grey's therapist. I can see him playing a therapist role. And and now Meredith Grey's a steely-eyed surgeon. Yeah. Whose husband has died. Yeah. Whose sister has died. Whose dad has died. Basically everyone she knows has died. Yeah, she's, was, it's a soap. So yeah, it she, is. She almost died in a plane crash. <laughs> adopted a baby who was there from a rescue agency. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Africa. Very crazy times. It's crazy times. But he plays her hard-ass but lovable mm-hmm. and, and heart- yeah uh therapist yeah so he's yeah he's just a good dude he um his parents were also in theater actually okay his his parents actually um lived in germany and were hidden by polish farmers for two years in world war ii jesus yeah a long acting career going back to the 80s he was in the most toys um in in next gen He's apparently a huge Trek fan, which always makes me happy. He was also one of his early, in the early 90s, one of the things he's most well for was he was in the band Played On on (gasps) HBO. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so that was one of the first, I I guess you could call that a docudrama? Yeah, exactly. That was one of the first ones I ever saw. I Um, think it's one of the first ones that most people saw. That's true. Um, I remember just, I was such an impressionable age. I must have been like 10 or, you know, some really young age. Yeah, so I was 11. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, what? This is real? Yeah. This is real? It's really ha- beautifully it's a- hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this meant a heavyweight. He was also um, in Frasier as Daphne's fiance. Oh, I didn't know that. Hello, Frasier. Um, obviously, another guest star to touch on is Jane. Oh, that's the right. man they call Jane. <laughs> He's really good at playing the hard ass. Uh, he basically <laughs> plays almost the exact same character. Maybe he is. To be guy. fair, he also plays almost the exact same character in Chuck. He's oh, really good. Yeah, he plays at the hard ass. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you get a wheelhouse and you stick to it. Exactly. And also, the, the, there's very few people who can almost top the appearance of Saul in my book in a TV show. Oh. But when you get Robert Picardo. In his first episode on Stargate. Which one's Robert Picardo? Oh, the main? The Woolsey. Oh, got it. The guy who comes in the oversight committee. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, got it. Got Pretty it. Pretty much. Listen, this guy's been a thousand things in the world, but everyone knows him best as the doctor on Voyager and Star and Star Trek. After that, ah. um, and it's actually really fitting that he played the doctor because he started Yale as pre med. Wow, was that? Oh, by the way, he has Yale pre med. By the way, he has a, a degree in drama from Yale. 
I mean, if you're going to get one, <laughs> you might as well go to the top. Or if you're my mother, you remember him very early on from China Beach. <laughs> I remember that show's logo. <laughs> it's very strange, but that's the one thing it's, I remember. It's like a slightly more soapy. It's like if you converged Grey's Anatomy and MASH. Sure. It's exactly what China Beach is. That, I'm good with that. I'm good it's with China that. China Beach versus and MASH combined together. <laughs> I also, as a kid... Remember him very clearly as Joe the Meat Man on Home Improvement. Oh my gosh. I don't remember him at all. He's Joe the Meat Man. He's the butcher. I wish I knew that. Dang. Everything. The only thing I remember of Home Improvement is Jonathan Taylor's house. But then I also remember the episode where they get uh, the mom, Uh uh, they remodel the bathroom for her. Yes. And it's just a shit show. Uh Uh-huh. But then the bathroom she has at the end. It's stunning. The sunken tub with yeah, the, with the window beautiful uh, that's still life goals um we watched <laughs> let's just say a lot of home improvement in my house <laughs> because sometimes it was like just a documentary of our lives <laughs> that's fair that sounds uh, about right and robert is also on the board of directors of a society that is very close to my heart the planetary society Aww. Uh, which if you don't know is an amazing nonprofit organization that is co-founded by the one the only none other carl sagan wow guess why i like it yeah so much. i wonder now um, i understand i'm proud to actually be a member of the planetary society right on um and one of their big missions at the moment is the light sail which is oh. sort of an experiment that's seeing if you can travel through space using only sunlight, using the actual protons solar of sunlight power. Yeah. to solar sail. Um, I actually have a square centimeter on that sail. That's, that's cool. Small. I remember. Um, I actually remember you telling me that they crowd they crowdfunded it on Kickstarter. Which, and that stuff. feels very uh, timely. Uh, a timely conversation to have. I just saw an imager, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. That. I, I guess it's Hubble finally ran out of gas. It's not Hubble. Who is it? It's, um, it's, it's... But someone just finally yeah. is officially dead because um, they ran out of gas. Kepler? Yeah. No. It's, okay. It's Kepler. I was, yeah. Um, so I, I just was reading that. <laughs> I get my news from Imager. You know, there's worse things. <laughs> but, it, you know, there was a lot of people that were like, how is it dead if it has solar panels? It's like, no, but the solar panels are powered by the gas. So this would be really cool. The light tail. Yeah. So it's would the Kepler. It it's the Kepler Space Telescope. I was Got trying it. to get. It's it's basically. Yeah, it's. I mean, this thing has discovered like twenty five hundred planets. Oh, um, R.I.P. Kepler. Yeah, it had a very, very good life. Um, yeah. It is. It is a um, satellite telescope, so yeah. it's not like one on Earth or anything like that. It was out there for nine years. It did um, a lot of work. It was. It was a beast. You know, it's one of those things where you're always hoping to get more life out of something. I mean, yeah. Hubble is way past its right. lifespan, um, and the replacement for Hubble. That's a long story. Okay. Let's not get into no, no, it. no, we won't. Uh, <laughs> but I just—it just—you mentioned the light sail and yeah. how completely solar powered, and it just felt very timely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dang. It's, good. Good for it. Yeah. It got a lot of work done. But um, so the light sails up there, seeing okay. if you can travel with using just sunlight, the photons from sunlight pushing a light. That's cool. Basically catching all the winds. Um, they're champions literally of, a light sale like get it now literally a light sale <laughs> um, they're champions of public support for space exploration the search for extraterrestrial entities the CEO is Mr. Bill Nye 
Well, sure. Yeah. Um, notable <laughs> p- people on their advisory council are people like Buzz Aldrin and Neil deGrasse Tyson, right. among many, many others. Pla- it's, I love when Buzz Aldrin is like the least of your names. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. <laughs> when you have I a mean, space-related like, thing. Robert Ricardo, yeah. Carl Sagan, Bill Nye, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, yeah, and then Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know you're in good company yeah. when it's like, that's the least uh, heavyweight dude in, Pla- in some circles. Yeah, planetary.org. Go check them out. They are awesome. And <laughs> like I said, Robert Picardo is like on the board of directors. Yeah, was that? It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so he's like, I, I, I love anyone who uses sort of he I'm sure he's the first to tell you, like not famous or whatever, but people who use whatever notability they have right. to push stem research in any way shape or form i'm good with that so that makes me happy as a as the the auntie to a niece who's like no i'm going into math fuck yeah yeah she's like i'm gonna math up life i wish i could math up yeah life. I, I i love her for to it to be fair if i was able to math up life we would not have met in this podcast would no not be you here. would be up in space right now i'd be in space <laughs> i would be as i wear my nasa shirt today yeah um, but I'm proud of her for not. She goes, it's really hard, but I like it. Yeah. I was like, then go to town, kid. Go it. <laughs> so this episode, Heroes, mm. was nominated for two Leo Awards. Uh, one for Best Direction for a Dramatic Series and one for Mr. Donna Davies uh, as Best oh. Supporting Man in a Dramatic Series. We will get on to the tour to fucking force that Dom brings to this goddamn episode. I'm surprised it's all Rubinick didn't get guest star. Yeah. A, a nod. A, yeah. It must have been a really good year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently this episode was not meant to be a two-parter at first. Oh. This was meant to be a single episode, but they realized, you know, their first edit was just over 60 minutes. <laughs> and they were able to whittle it down, but not to one clean episode. Yeah. And so... Um, they, they had talked apparently about doing this as like an hour and a half, more of like a, a, an of, event. But yeah. then what you do in syndication and things like that. Right. So how do you split that up? Um, and it was supposed to be earlier in the season, which is partly, I think, why we haven't seen Janet in the past run of episodes, Got because this was supposed to be a bit earlier in the season. Got it. They wanted to give it this breathing space. So instead, they shot it over this large period of time, which is why if you're... If this show was not so emotionally investing, you would have noticed things like RDA's hair gets super short halfway through the episode. Oh, you know what? I, yeah, I didn't pick up but on anything. Again, because so they filmed this over like this, this like half the season. This was so piecemeal together to get all these shots. But yeah. they added these these things in um, to make this a, a two part episode. Yeah. And I think we pretty much all on this podcast agree with much of the cast and crew saying that this is probably the best episode of Stargate ever made. I mean, as far as what I've seen, <sighs> yeah. it's fucking up there. I mean, it's up there with with the Daniels yeah. ones and, and with Jack and the Daniel uh... uh I know which one you're talking yeah. about, but I can't play... The, the one where... But absolutely. The first ascended Jack is gonna die episode. It's like that, that whole story of Ascension. <laughs> yeah. It's the only one that comes to this level yeah. of story. And we address that one in this, too. Yeah. You know, and, we, and it only shows how strong this story is because it's technically not about a lead. It's not. But it holds as much weight as that one. Yeah. 
Um, it's kind of like the other one's got a weighted GPA and this one doesn't. Yeah. And it still somehow has the same GPA. Exactly. Yeah. So this was, this season, to let you know, was originally, they truly thought this was going to be the last season of Stargate. Oh, wow. So they're here going. I guess, yeah, if you're seven seasons in, you're like, we've had a good run. You're seven seasons. They thought this was going to be the last. So Janet dying here would not impact the series going forward as a whole very much. Because we have, I believe, a handful of episodes. Yeah, Three episodes left. I don't want to look up because I'm worried about seeing things in titles. Um, (laughs) And... Needless to say, this was not the final season. So we now have a few more seasons without Janet. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder who takes care of the sick from here I on I mean, out. there are other doctors in, fair. in the SGC. There are nobody. I, so my biggest concern is actually Cassie. Well, you know, I thought about that and... and Sam point, and we'll we'll sort of I guess touch on yeah. this when we get to that part. Um, Ca- Sam mentions that Cassie's strong, yeah. and we know for a fact that Cassie's strong. Cassie's already survived losing her entire planet. Well, she is, but she's also seventeen. I was going to say I can't 16. remember if she's seventeen yeah. or eighteen. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing she's either seventeen or eighteen, and I I think to ease. Plot story wise, yeah, I'm gonna say she's 18, so that she doesn't have to have a guardian. A legal guardian. Um, but she has. It's like if it was a in, in any other officer, fireman, military. Oh, she's gonna be. She has the entire of. family. Yeah. Um, but we're definitely putting the car before the horse. So yeah. Let's get into the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, the one thing I want to touch on before we get into all of this mm-hmm. because I think. Uh, you know, I listened to the commentary, which I don't always do, but I really wanted to for this episode before mm. I've recorded. And they touch on the fact that um, when this aired, when they were writing this, when mm. they were recording this, there were major military activities going on in Iraq and Afghanistan, etc. Yep. This was February of 2003? 2004. 2004. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we were well into it at this point. And they didn't want to make this a commentary on that. Mm. But at the same time, you can't not make something like this a commentary on that right. somehow in some form. So they they go, you know, regardless of any view, regardless of any political issue, regardless of anything, you know, this is showing the story of the people who are on the front lines, who are actually going yep. through situations like this. Yep. And you can't make a story about the Air Force. You can't make a story about the men and women who would be in this if and not have when you're trying to have real characters right. in real situations, they go through shit like this. Yeah. These are consequences that are going to happen eventually. And it, it feels incredibly timely right now. Um, I know that this episode won't air for you guys yeah. until Thanksgiving week, but we're recording on Veterans Day. We are recording a veteran. So it just, I was doing my rewatch. I woke up early this morning to do it. And I was just like, fuck, this is the reality. Yeah. So I know we're a couple weeks late, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, our gratitude to the people who serve, regardless of any political. Slangevoy. Yeah. (laughs) Salud. (laughs) So as we, we do have our cocktails, we show the Patreon on the video, our cocktails, but we needed something to get through this episode. It's a strong cocktail. 
Yeah. We'll see what state Grace is in by the end of this. <laughs> uh, we were uh, talking yesterday. I had a group project, which is going surprisingly well. I think it's the group. That's good. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about one of the books we're reading and how it's falling apart at the end and how they're like, maybe it's like the old Chaucer plays where by the end of it, you were supposed to be drunk. So that's why it falls apart because you're supposed to be so drunk you don't care. So know that I've taken that and reversed it, guys. So I'm going to be so drunk at the end that this is going to fall apart. So if you want to be drunk with me, please, please start feel free. Now. Yeah. Um, so we start with... Um, what I think Grace originally <laughs> yeah. thought was behind the scenes footage. I was like, wait, did we hit the wrong thing? Are we in the bonus features? <laughs> uh, Emmett and his crew are getting B-roll of the Stargate yeah. and we introduce Colonel Tom Randell, who yeah. is the PR liaison. Have we seen him before? We have seen him before, okay. actually. Because I was like, I feel like he might be familiar, but I don't trust my brain. His twin brother, we'll call him, mm. is uh, Special Agent James Hammer in Seth. Oh, <laughs> so I mean I can imagine uh, I can imagine if there's twins they'd both go into law enforcement sure. in some way one's just in the Air Force and I just I'm convinced that twins are spice yeah probably who can pretend to be each other always all the time forever <laughs> uh, and Emmett introduces his team sound man and camera guy <laughs> that is your name sound man and camera guy well and it's like they kind of just showed up that day they, they just yeah. showed up that uh -huh. day. Like, they just got, hey, you two, you got to sign this detail. Imagine you just happen to be good with a camera. Uh -huh. So it's like, you're doing this work. Yeah, this is and you And it's like, all right, all right cool. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. So hold up. Wait a minute. Snobby's <laughs> leaving us for the Dominican Republic. Sorry if I'm ever a lie that appears in anything Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote. I'm going to break into it. Uh, hold up. They can't quite film yet. They have to speak to General Hammond regardless of whatever clearances Emmett thinks he has. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Hammond and Emmett meet. Uh, yeah. And it is the meeting of two giant goddamn titans. Uh, yeah. I've never seen Hammond so outwardly rude he won't even shake his hand yeah i mean i've seen hammond hold his own and and uh project disdain yeah. but just straight up rude yeah it's wow it's it's uh, yeah it takes me it's a little bit like whoa what's happening here he reminds Emmett how much the people in the base will not be excited to see him and the security of his people uh -huh. and his base yeah is the most important thing regardless of anything. Well, that's not wrong. Emmett gets that, but he also reminds Hammond not to forget that there are cameras on the beaches of Normandy. Like, Which was he's true. here for a reason. And while only a few people might see this film that he's making right now, eventually more people will see it. Yeah. He respects what Hammond and his people are doing. This is not a reality show. He, like, I don't, he's like, I don't care if people are uncomfortable with me being mm -hmm. here. This project will be made public, and the president himself asked me to be here. The, yeah, there's something really great about Brinkman's approach. He's like, because I don't know if I can trust him yet either. No. Hammond doesn't know if he can trust him. No one knows if we can trust him, but he's like, I have a purpose. Yeah. I know that you don't believe in me, and mm -hmm. I know that you think I'm not worthy of being here, and I know what you think I am, but yeah. I know that I'm not. Exactly. <laughs> and I do love this, as someone who's worked in the media, this idea that you don't ever build anything that goes on the air with the thought, well, this won't be up for very long. Yeah. Or this won't be seen by a lot of people. Yeah, you yeah. always put 
effort into everything. Because with that project that you were working on at that time, Mm -hmm. bringing the truth and bringing the facts of that subject forward is basically your only mission. Yep. And yeah. you will go through hell and fucking high water yeah. to see that that is brought out. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just a big deal to always approach everything like everyone's going to hear it. Yeah. Everyone's going to see it. Uh, and, and Hammond reminds Emmett who that red phone in his desk connects to. Yeah. And that he and his people will cooperate to the letter of the orders that he has. Yeah. And very, very, he's like, fine line here. I will be splitting every hair I can cut. And I want to take a minute for something a little lighthearted. Yes. The phone looks like it was duct taped and then spray painted red. (laughs) You see this thing that almost looks like a phone? It is the shape of a phone, but it's really just like a red cardboard box. Yes. The president is inside. <laughs> the it. president is inside. Do you remember Shining Time Station? Yeah. <laughs> and like with the bands inside the jukebox? That's exactly what We have what's a little happening. tiny president little who tiny lives president. inside that phone. Yeah. <laughs> tiny president. And credits. Yikes. Tiny president. <laughs> uh, so there have been war correspondents since. Hey, Grace, what's that name? Um, oh, since. Thucydides. Thucydides. Some, some Greek guy in the Peloponnesian War. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, Thucydides. They, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the spellings throw me off. This is like the, the shortest, quickest, briefest, most briefest history of war correspondence <laughs> that's ever been gone on in history. But Henry Crabb Robinson was one of the real first journalists, like, that, that covered wars for a newspaper. He covered uh, Napoleon's campaigns for the Times of London. Wow. Um, and then during World War One, and basically before World War Two, essentially, um, you know, there were government staged videos. Oh. You know, sort of the government propaganda, propaganda. And, yeah. and partly that was just because you couldn't get the cameras into these areas safely. Okay. So in order to show the public what was going on, anything they had to, they had. There's only so many ways they could do it. Okay. Of course, if the government's going to do that, if the military's going to do that, it's going to be shined on upon them in a positive manner. Got it. To keep morale up and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, But they did have people writing and reporting in those areas, but they tended to be sort of these longer form pieces. You know, they'd go out uh, and it would be months while they wrote these long form pieces, you know, covering the different wars. Um, In World War One, everything was very strongly censored. Um, the public really only got to see what the government and the military wanted the people to see. Sure. Because even what the reporters were writing was then screened. Yeah. Of. Well, I think I remember everything was, I mean, even the letters home. Yeah. Were like, I always think of Catch-22. Yeah. And where it's like, everything was just black marks. And yeah. So, and so is it our lead characters, like, at some point, he's just blacking out everything yeah. he wants. Uh-huh. Except random words here or there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that's where my brain went. So, um, <laughs> and one of the reasons that the Vietnam War became the cultural touchstone that it did mm-hmm. was because the networks and cameramen and journalists in to yeah. see things in the first person. And I think in the Vietnam War, these journalists were given much freer range than even journalists are given today in in, in war zones yeah. and in conflict areas. Um, people saw this footage on the nightly news. Well, the, and there was there was a clearer purpose yeah. as to why. Yes. The, and so when the why gets muddied, the 
the work gets muddy. Yes. And there was just this very clear, here's why we're doing this. Yeah. We and, need and, to show people. And people really, the public really got faced with the reality. Mm-hmm. This non-censored, actually what's going on reality for the first time. And I think, and, and I'm, there's been so many things written specifically on the reporting and the Vietnam War and how that affected the public view of, yeah. of the war. Um, and then this generation, I know my generation was caught off, mine and the slightly before me was caught off guard just on, um, you know, the, the first and the second Gulf Wars mm-hmm. and seeing for the first time war in real time. And after 9-11, on 24-hour news networks, yep. you watch the entire thing. Yeah. Which is, again, it feels almost a little muddy. Yeah. Where is the balance? Why, yeah. Why are we here? Exactly. Why are we here? Like, it, and it's not enough to say, why are we doing this? And the why be to tell the public, no. Why do we need to tell? Exactly. Why is this story important to tell? Yeah. You know, why is it just... It gets to the part where it's almost... That because there's no context and it's just here's raw footage of what's happening with no context right. putting into it. So I think that's definitely what Emmett in this show to bring it back mm-hmm. is trying to do. He's trying to take all this footage yeah. and he's trying to put the context around it. Which is it. tough. It's tough to do that without a bias. It is. And th- and I think that may be why people end up in the, we'll just show everything. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's, it's a tricky it's, place yes. to live. Um, also, maybe Fukidities. I was just thinking. I don't know <laughs> how to you. pronounce the C. <laughs> um, and, and, and nowadays, um, you know, after Vietnam, journalists and reporters are basically put in these pools and they're escorted by troops yeah. around to sort of um, partially to control their safety, partially to control what they can see. Because right. if you stray outside of those pools, they will revoke your visa and your photos and your notes. Well, and it's important to know that... It's a war. It is a war. There is a line somewhere. There's a line. We gotta can't tell everybody. You can't what you're doing. Yeah, there's because at the, the there is a line between reporting things and reporting the truth of things and compromising the safety for the people who are over there who are doing the work and that is ex- there to be done. Exactly, it's such a tough place to exist in. It's such a hard thought for me to wrap around. Yeah, one because. Do work in the media. Yeah. And two, because it's important to tell the truth. It is. You know what I mean? So you're like, well, at what point are you not telling the truth? But there's bigger things at stake here. Exactly. It's just such a hard And it's the reason that that where that line is, is a passionately argued debate on both sides of it. Absolutely. It is. And there is, I firmly believe there is no right answer. And it's both sides are doing things for their own very honest and true what they feel is important for the context yeah. of and, the and world. It's one of those situ- one of those things where there's not one answer that there will work not. every time. No. There's just isn't. It, yeah. Every situation requires a different answer. Exactly. So and I think that's one of the things that besides the obvious, and we'll get to this again, mm-hmm. besides the obvious emotional touchstone in this episode, this is the other emotional touchstone yeah. that I have in this episode. Yeah. Um, so it's a tough one. Yeah. When we come back from credits. Um, <laughs> and now for a little <sighs> levity. <laughs> when we come back from credits, um, Randell is adorably trying to tell Emmett that the style he thinks this documentary should be is, is cinema verte, which is observational cinema, which is um, like, think Parks and Rec. Yeah. 
basically yeah ish is the it's closest the and, yeah the yeah. office and things like that um, it's what most people think of when they think of documentaries these days for sure yeah um and uh the original real world the original real world um you know you're filming real life it's mm-hmm. not just fantasy you're on in a landline, <laughs> last no. I don't know why. Escape from reality. So Emmett is going. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, I think I got this. I'm down for more of the wringing the truth out of these people method approach, and I do love that they, he confuses soldiers and airmen. Yeah, and yeah. Randall's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, no, no. Don't if you're gonna be here, up. don't fuck that up. Um, Which I wouldn't have ever thought of. Yeah. I, I don't know enough. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a thing to remember. <laughs> uh, and he goes, if this story was going to tell itself, there would be a Stargate update on the nightly news. And immediately yep. I go, I would like to make that opening stinger, please. Well, it's like, where is the section? You know, people do the health section. Yeah. People do the tech section. Where is the today in space? Where is today in space? Why is that not a thing yet? People would know that the Kepler's t- space telescope ran out of juice if we had a today in space. Uh, no, today in space. I'm making it real. I'm writing it down in my notes. <laughs> Uh, so Emmett knows these people conceal things for a living, and it'll take some time to earn their trust. And Emmett gets reminded over and over and over and over and over again that he is to document what is going on, not to pursue anything that might be prejudicial to the Air Force personnel. Okay. And he gets very excited when you see Jack walking down the hallway. It's like a superstar. Jack walks down, walks right past him. He prefers vanilla over chocolate. His favorite color is peridot. He (laughs) thinks Tibet should be free, and if he could have dinner with anyone in the world, it would be Mary Steenburgen. Which I don't blame him for. I don't blame him. I recently listened to her on the Mark Maron podcast, and she is lovely and intelligent. Exactly. Um... But I do have a bone to pick with Jack. Yeah. Vanilla over chocolate? <laughs> okay. I will say this. Mm-hmm. Only in a half defense. Okay. If it is a real vanilla with okay. vanilla, like actual used vanilla beans and there's vanilla beans in there. Okay. I will take that over uh, most chocolate. But if you're calling that the vanilla, then you have to take the richest, realest chocolate. You have to compare them this to each other. This is very true. I'm just saying sometimes I would prefer a really good vanilla over a chocolate. Yeah, now here's here's what would save it for me. Yeah. Does he put sprinkles on it? Or Jimmy's as they're called in some parts of the world. Um, he I can see him being the chocolate sprinkle fan. Because not the color sprinkle fan. I if I'm a sprinkles person, when I'm feeling sprinkly, yes. I am not putting sprinkles on chocolate ice cream. Yeah, I am yeah. only putting sprinkles on vanilla. Like I said, I can see him not doing the colored sprinkles, but mm-hmm. the chocolate sprinkles then it's a pass okay <laughs> also i looked up how long mary steenburgen's been married yeah uh just to it's see like forever isn't it well since 95 actually because ted danson had a couple of wives to be fair that. in the world of hollywood that is forever this is true yeah this is true i was just thinking also ted danson is also amazing <laughs> he's he's really like fucking i cool. love fucking ted I, danson. another one who's been on mark man podcast yeah. and it's just beautiful uh-huh. uh he was on that podcast and uh, he also did a great stint uh, a great episode of armchair expert oh really which is dax shepherd's podcast uh which because his wife works with ted danson by the way the good place is adorable and please watch it really fun show um and if you don't yeah basic yeah basic (laughs) 
Um, I, I love his approach to life. He's yeah. very much like the dude. He is in, <laughs> in a way that I only wish I was that cool. Yeah, he's just very cool. He's just a very cool he's, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as Jack gets in the elevator and leaves, he does this, the most amazing move that I wish I yeah. had the, the stones to pull off. <laughs> Before he goes to shake Emmett's hand, he coughs very fakely in his hand <laughs> and reaches his hand out. And, and Emmett's like, no. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to nope out of here. Bye. Yeah. There's a lot of animosity towards, towards Bergman. Almost right the just throws a smoke bomb. Yeah. And he's like, I'm done. Gotta go bite. Oh, you know that Jack has no shits to give some journalists. No, and it's 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 t- it's a tough look. It's <laughs> but the thing is, from, I will say this from Vinch mode now. I don't think that it is Emmett specifically. Well, that's what I mean. It's, it it's, is all journalists. <laughs> it's 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 a tough one to swallow. It's a bitter pill to swallow. Yes. But anyway, that we're good. We're good. So it's Sam's turn. She's up the first up for the interview. Very nervous. I love very uncomfortable. How adorably awkward. Super freaking, yeah, just yeah. adorable in the greatest sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did have a bad experience with the TV crew last year. Yeah. You know, sort of stealing the Prometheus, which is why um, camera guy and sound man are Air Force. Right, 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 right. Um, and, you know, to Sam, this is... This is just a group of people doing their jobs. Yeah, this is just what we're just doing our work. Just, truly, it's just that. I don't want to say humble. It's the wrong yeah, word. Yeah, she's a bit practical. It's like, don't put us up on a pedestal. We're just doing our jobs. This, we may have a more exciting job than others, but. It just happens to be what our job is. Yeah. And Emmett argues, she's like, look, you and your job are nothing short of extraordinary. <laughs> um, and and is, you know, taken by Sam's of course. Just her air of stunningness inside and out. Um, Emma gives her the fanciest introduction ever. And Amanda mm-hmm. is brilliant at looking that adorably awkward. Yeah, because it, it's got to be work for her to do uh-huh. that. Because there's someone who lives on camera. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Whose career is to be on camera. To to find a way to look that uncomfortable <laughs> on camera. so cute. It's got to be like an effort. It's like... It's like writing with your opposite yeah. hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the amount of work it must be. Um, so now we have a walk and talk with Daniel. Yeah. Uh, Emmett has never asked this before, but what was it like to be dead? <laughs> He's like, well, I wasn't I wasn't really dead, yeah. but I did have to die to get there. <laughs> um, and right before he can elaborate more, his pager, let me say that again, his pager. Pager. I'm going to stop you for just a second. Yes. Because it is 2004. Uh-huh. And I looked up phones yeah. and pagers. Yeah. In 2004, the razor already existed. Yeah. And he is using a pager. Okay. And I'm going to give one attempt to give this a pass. Okay. They are deep inside a mountain. This is true. But also, his printer sets his pager off. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even get that far. I was just like, Pager. I I, I, I can maybe f- say that they have some sort of weird internal network that only works on pagers that deep into the mountain. Instead of having overhead announcements sure. every 10 minutes. But more importantly, his printer Set up. sets his pager <laughs> off. It's a magical printer. Yeah. <laughs> 
my printer in 2018 that is wireless and does 18,000 things does not text my phone that it's printing. Now, I wonder... Could I set that up? Here's my thing. Can I have my printer here's call a, me? Here's what I'm going to do. You yes. can send fax machines to auto-dial stuff when they receive it. Okay. Right? I, I know this because I worked in a, in a station where they had a machine like that. This might be a fax machine and not a printer. It could be like a double, uh, like yeah. a double situation. Yeah. So maybe he set it up to dial his number, thinking mm-hmm. it's sending a fax. It doesn't work. It, <laughs> the <laughs> important part off is that this sets off a really great moment where he's uh, yeah. like, he he can't. He just runs. He yeah. sets up running with the pager. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry. And it's, he runs, and then Emmett follows him, and the dynamic dude, run, run, run. Oh, yeah. And he ends up, and he grabs the painter off the printer, and he, in an excited voice, says that it's the mass fragment he got from P3X298, <laughs> and it's dated to match the pre-dynastic per, 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 time of Egypt. And, it's and Emmett's like, what What does this mean? Fascinating. It's just, fa- it's, it's really cool. And he's like, but why did you run? <laughs> And Daniel, because we love him with all of our hearts, yep. and he is becoming such a beautiful troll. Oh, yes. It's like, I just wanted to see if you would chase me. <laughs> I've never related. Look, we all know how much, how I went on this roller coaster of, of not liking Daniel to loving Daniel. I've, I've never felt closer to Daniel. Than in this moment. Than in this very moment. And I want to share a story about the time where... Um, I, I used I used to be a designer at a TV station at a uh-huh. local TV station, and so sometimes the producers would come find me to yep. ask for something instead of putting it through the system. Yeah, and usually if they came to find me, it meant it was going to be something awful and terrible that I <laughs> probably did not want to do and would reject. So they yes. wanted to uh, appeal to me in person. Uh-huh. So there was one producer who's caught me in the tape room and she's and mind you i loved all of these yeah people. yeah of course none of this of was course. contentious yeah no but she's like grace I'm, i i need to tell you something and i went no and i ran <laughs> and this woman chased me now here's my favorite part about it she goes i have a four-year-old you can't win <laughs> and i was like oh she's right <laughs> And she did, and she caught me in heels. Yeah. I, um, Daniel, we have never loved you more than yeah. in this moment. That chase, though. Good you, times. You are, and this is not your only troll move in this episode. <laughs> it's true. We love you in this episode. <laughs> um, so in Bill Lee's lab next, he's showing off the new ceramic polymer that is stronger than Kevlar, stronger yeah. than armor plating, and it fits into the off-world vests. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Siler will demonstrate for us. <laughs> Emmett's like, well, do you want me to try on the vest? He goes, no, this is what Siler does. Yes, yeah, this is his job. And then Teal just picks up the staff weapon, and before Siler can even get out away from the face buddy, it just shoots him. Yeah. He goes flying against the wall. Um, don't worry, the guy that puts Siler out on fire is actually uh, his, Dan Shea's assistant. It's a nice little meta moment it's here. It's beautiful. <laughs> Just the line, it's what Siler does. Yeah, that's what he do. Siler does that all the time. <laughs> Makes just... It's those type of inside jokes that make me love this show yeah. as much as I yeah. can. It is a little break. 
A little yeah. break between the fourth wall. Yeah. Of the fourth wall, excuse me. It's good times. So Sam shows off the control room. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever wondered what all those blinking lights in the background are, Sam explains it in this amazing techno babble, but <laughs> doesn't necessarily explain what the blinking lights are. And really, Emma just wants to see a shot of the gate spinning. Right. She's like, sure. Here you go. Steam comes out and everything. <laughs> that must be you want like the, the shiny object puppy. It must be the bane of her existence. Um, there's other people close to our lives, and I, I won't say their names in case they don't want this shared. But very, very intelligent people in our yes. lives who've talked about how sometimes they feel left out. Yeah. Because they're smart and their brains move so fast. Yeah. That other people don't keep up, including me. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know what you said. I, I want to know Are what you, you said. Are you talking about me? Well, you may be one of them, but uh, there's two I have in mind. And uh, and <laughs> I did not want to out you. But I was like, this must be one of those moments. Sam must be one of those people where every now and then you just feel a little bummed that people can't keep up. It, to me, it's more of... Do I have to say that again? Because I don't necessarily remember what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've I was learned, really eloquent. Luckily, when I'm when I was younger, I learned how to uh, glean information. Yeah, yeah. When without processing all the words, which uh, is something I learned. Just learn keywords. Yeah, I learned to do, to do this this weird speed reading thing that they put us through in fourth grade. I don't know why they picked like five of us. Maybe we were just the fast readers. Maybe you're just the people who got bored in class that needed something extra. That may be what it is. And so uh, we learned how to me. look at a page and pick up the information mm-hmm. without actually reading it. Yeah. So I've learned to do that with the fast talkers, <laughs> with the fast thinkers in my life. I don't know what you mean. I talk <laughs> at a very normal rate of speed. I never talk fast in my entire life. Um, <laughs> Not at all. So uh, we're right as, as they're going to film... SG team is about to leave on a mission. So oh, Emmett yes. and his crew don't have clearance to film that. Yeah. So the team is SG-13. Uh, it, this is Colonel Dixon's team. They arrive on the planet. And I love their tradition of taking bets yeah. as to what they're going to find. <laughs> yeah. I do love that. The options are from abandoned Nakuda mine to two-headed aliens to the ruins of an ancient city, and the option of trees is disqualified for being, you know, assholes. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you think our redhead, whose name I don't remember, I keep wanting to Belinsky, call him... Belinsky, I think. Okay, I keep wanting to call him Joe Kennedy Jr., because yeah, that's who he looks it like. it kind of does, yeah. Um... Do you think every time they go somewhere, he's like, ruins of an ancient oh, I'm city. I'm sure that's he does. always his bet. That's, that's, yeah. Because he's so excited. It's the only thing he says. <laughs> uh, and as they walk, Dixon uh, is, is lamenting to Wells about what he can expect from his first kid oh, that's coming soon. Dixon has four, and after that, facing bad guys through the gate is nothing. It's Gosh. relaxing. He, w- he makes it sound awful. He makes it sound miserable. Yeah. Which, to be fair... Don't to some people, me. it is, yeah. Um, but when they reach the clearing, Belinsky wins <laughs> the ruins of an ancient city. And you can tell he's never won. He's so excited. He's just like, I was right. To be fair, I can say that he may have won before. It's just simply the sights of having, like, ancient ruins. That's fair. Just sends him overboard. That could have been it, yeah. I mean, he orgasms right there at the top of the mountain. I was I was thinking about this, right, with <laughs> I love that. <laughs> took, a, took a second to process. <laughs> I was thinking about how they they get there and they show up and you see the ruins. And I realized that 
my brain just doesn't move that fast. I think I would walk into the ruins before I knew I was in them. <laughs> like, I, I realize that the ruins, yeah. but, but while you're moving and, and you're just doing stuff yeah. and you're carrying a lot of gear and it's hot and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I would just be like, okay, pillar. Okay, pillar. Oh, my God. But you're also not the person who's, like, b- waiting and bated breath around every corner is, it is a going pillar? to be a is city. Is it a pillar? That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Uh, so Jack pours himself some coffee. And again, as usual, RDA has to check. For some reason, Jack is always looking in his coffee mug for oh, things. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, they're in the control room. And Sam and him discuss the documentary. And Sam kind of guesses um, that... You know, you, you yes, you talked to him and you talked about Mary Steenburgen, didn't you? And he's like, damn right <laughs> I did. Yeah. Uh, Sam all, Sam, <laughs> did Sam seriously think that Jack read any memo? Yeah. First of all. Do, do you think he reads any emails ever? That's like, why he said earlier, should put it in a memo. Yeah. Jack and his memos. <laughs> also, I love the fact that they're still memos and not just emails. That's fair. Well, do you think it's an email that is a memo? Like, is that is it just wording? Maybe, I guess. I've always been slightly confused to the difference, I guess, because I grew up with always emails as That's to the fair. difference between an email and a memo. Is that showing my I, Well, I think, I think a memo can be a type of email. Yeah, I guess. Like, a memo is a memo, but and a memo can be printed or it can be emailed. Just me- how a thought. square is a rectangle, but a rectangle doesn't mean it's a square. Exactly. So now I do think that Jack is also the person who throws away any mail unopened. That isn't something he was expecting. Yes. Like where it sounds like even the junk mail. She's like, well, I better see what this Uh is about. And Jack's like, no fucks. Yeah. No fucks. Nope. 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 Oh, cool. This looks fun. We (laughs) we do learn that officially the documentary crew is here for the 1000th trip through the Stargates. Wowza. Um, But she thinks that there's something else to it. Jack just thinks there should be cake. Yeah, I think so too. So Emmett and his crew set up in Daniel's office. He asked Daniel about having his memory erased when he turned to human form. And Daniel's Can you like, imagine saying that? I don't remember. <laughs> I just keep thinking... Imagine trying to tell this story to someone you... Tr- like, like let's think of last episode. Yeah, yeah. Imagine just being like, so this is my friend Daniel. Uh-huh. He died, and yeah. then he came back, but he was ascended. And uh-huh. so when he died, he turned into this ball of stuff. Uh-huh. But me, like, <laughs> sincerely. Yeah. And expecting people to believe uh-huh. that. Because I think... Two minutes into that telling, I'd be like, you're full of shit, I'm out. (laughs) Nope. Uh, And they talk about his pre-Stargate days. Uh, Daniel is almost confused as to what he wrote back then, because I wonder if he actually, that's some of the memories he didn't get back. And Emmett asks why Catherine sought him out. He goes, you'd have to ask her. I don't know. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> because his barely passive aggressive answers in the scene yeah are the type of answers i would like to think in my soul that i would give to him yeah <laughs> I, I, and so and i think I, I wish i could work that way i think that there's there's a certain amount of people pleaser in me yeah. that would try to be sincere and that's, and that's the thing and that's the problem is i i, I think realistically i'd be a sam yeah but in my yeah. heart of hearts i wish i could be the daniel <laughs> i mean i wish i could be the teal'c so oh. we'll get there <laughs> So Sam is the only member of his team that's not trolling Emmett. Mm-hmm. And speaking of trolling Emmett, 
<laughs> Let us get to the master yeah. of the troll. Um, I do want to, before we leave the Catherine yes. conversation, I love the way Daniel smiles when he thinks about Catherine. I know. It is the most adorable yes. smile. It's it's very sweet because yeah. clearly this is someone, I mean, Catherine means so much Loves to it. Daniel. Yeah. Anyway, that's, um, let's get back uh, to the king of the trolls. The king of the trolls, Mr. Teal. <laughs> um, Emmett at least tries to interview him. Because the entire time, Teal just stands there keeping his blue steel solid. <laughs> um, Emmett, you know, Emmett is, is trying to talk to him about turning against the gold and fighting them. And, and finally, he's like, you know, if you're not going to answer anything, then why are you here? <laughs> he goes, General Hammond told me to be here. Yeah. <laughs> he said nothing about actually saying anything. Yeah, I am here. I'm being. And at the very least, Emmett does get an indeed. Yeah. <laughs> when he asks if Jack is his commanding officer. Yep. Um, and he tries to ask more until just straight up and nopes out of there. I love the nope on camera nope. I love that just like <laughs> we watch him leave. I know. As opposed to zooming out and watching him out the door. I yeah. love that we're in frame. <laughs> and it's like... Tealk and then nope. no Tealk. Then the nope more Tealk anymore. I gotta go bite. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> good. He did the physical equivalent of when I'm done talking to certain uh-huh. people and I go, okay, bye. <laughs> so, and I will say this, you know, I think I think Tealk Chris Judge yeah. gets the least screen time of any of our main yeah. guys in this episode, but the screen time he has is mwah. Oh yes. It, it is, is yeah. It is every ounce that he has poured in every person in this episode is top of their game but there's something because you have this and you have this side of teal that we love Mm -hmm. and then just the steely eyed i'm not telling you damn thing because i hate every fiber of your being and i don't want to be here to and we'll get to the scene at the end with sam well we touch on all of all of his core values yeah, and the few we scenes do. we do it's like it's, honesty yep integrity and loyalty. don't give a fuckness yeah. yeah and loyalty yeah and don't give a fuckness is okay. one of my core beliefs uh-huh. um so i wish it were mine back on the planet everyone is mindlessly bored except for Belinsky. uh they want to leave but he's like we just got here 18 hours ago or yeah. something <laughs> um he's pretty sure this place is built by the ancients and daniel will die when he sees this yeah how often must they think, oh, this was built by ancients? Uh-huh. Like, at some point, it's like, everything can't have been built by ancients. But let us not gloss over the amazing when he's like, Daniel will die when he sees this. And Dixon goes, again? Oh, I, <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> I'm going to do an on-air run to the kitchen. Okay. So continue talking. I will continue. Um, so, to, to pass the time, while well, Grace is in the kitchen, no. To pass the time, um, Wells is showing the sonogram of his son off. And the guys are all sort of lightly harassing him and how do you know it's a boy and all the kind of stuff. Um, when just then an, an, an imperial droid from the ice planet of Hoth shows up and starts firing at the team, uh, they are able to take it down by collapsing a wall behind it. This is a maneuver we've seen from them before that yeah. we want to steal for D&D. Yeah, we did write this one down yeah. and decide this is how we D&D we're, things. We're um, going to use it eventually. I also want to... Confessed my naivety. Yeah. When this happened, well, I was like, oh, maybe it's just a camera. Maybe they're, nope. <laughs> nope, it's not friendly. It's not friendly run. <laughs> well, it was made by the the Empire. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> Very. <laughs> but yeah, I want to learn that when you attack something and it does not take any damage, just dump a wall on it. Dump a wall Got on it. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and after it's done, they do walk up to it and, and kill it real good. Oh, yeah. Super just kill it. Just to be sure. And now Emmett interviews Kinsey. <laughs> Yuck. And it's basically vomit-inducing. Yep. Uh, he just goes on as if this was the greatest program that's ever been, which it is, to be fair, but he has not always supported yeah, it. Yeah. I, fuck this dude. Yes. Fuck this dude. It's that it's that person that exists everywhere who's a naysayer. Yeah. And then as soon as things are good, they're like, oh, yeah, this thing is great. It's mm-hmm. like, it's such a gross feeling because, one... You want to feel good that they finally see the truth, but you're also like, fuck you. You don't get to take credit. Besides the fact that he, you know, because it's Kinsey, you're like, how much are you just saying because it sounds good on camera? Right. Like politically advantageous right. for you in this moment. Do you, what, how much do you actually believe? Yeah. So, because he's the person who sends Woolsey in later. That's true. So, yeah. and, and I will say this before we get any further, we hate Kinsey with our entire soul. Ronnie Cox, however, the actor, yes. uh, we just discovered that he's not only an amazing person, he's an amazing musician. Go find his music. Because, yes. We love Ronnie Cox. Well, you can't and hate a villain him. if you don't love the actor. Exactly. he's got to be great. And we love him for making such a horrible, horrible <laughs> bad guy come to life. Thank so, you for giving us something to hate, Togo. Um, you know, his his speech to Emmett and his crew, based, they, they just everyone falls asleep because this guy's boring yeah. and lifeless like, and we're out and yeah. and Rundell and Hammond are also watching this and Emmett goes how do I say this this sounds like a prepared speech yeah how about we do something a little more conversational and Kinsey's like no not happening and just gets up and walks off and Hammond's almost laughing at this <laughs> and then as if it couldn't get any better mm-hmm. the crew follows Kinsey into the commissary yep where Jack is eating and I think doing crossword inside of a mission report. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure that one out either. I was like, well, he's got a manila folder, but I swear he was doing something. That's what I think. Like, I think it's one of those where like when you when you, when you, you put, put the comic the, book in the, the book. comic book inside the book. Yeah. <laughs> Jack looks up and see the camera crew start to come in and he's like, oh, did I tell you? Did he tell you about the time that Kinsey almost got this place shut down or yeah. the time that you like had Hammond by the and Kinsey interrupts him? Yeah. Reminding him that slander is a serious offense. <laughs> Jack's like, fuck you very yeah. much. I want to take a minute to point out in this scene, there's, an, there's a redhead in the back, one yeah. of the extras, uh-huh. who makes the best face ever. <laughs> she, she does like a what the fuck face. Like, one, don't you know better than to bother Jack while mm-hmm. he's eating? And two, fuck you, Kinsey. Like, I feel like that's she, this is, uh, just marvelously it's done. Fantastic. Because it really is the way you would react when you're not like the yeah. star at work. Uh-huh. And someone comes and does something that you know is not uh-huh. going to go well and you're like you done fucked up. Have fun with that. I'm going to sit here and watch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Kinsey tries putting on a show for the camera about how much of a strong supporter of the pro. <laughs> Jack is not having any of this and by now he's everyone is watching this. Yeah. Jack's like okay. Well then we learn about the other shoe dropping. Mm-hmm. The presence trim is almost up and Kinsey is we don't know right now if he's running for president or he's running as vice president, but right. he's running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he knows he can count on Jack's vote, and Jack could not eye roll any bigger. Oh, yeah. 
if yeah. he tried. He's just going to lose his eyeballs. They're just going to go all the way back in his brain. And Jack can play this game. Yeah. He makes sure I'm at your recording and he goes off. You smarmy, self-righteous, opportunistic asshole. Just then Jack continues to swear while the off-world activation alarm goes yeah. off. And he just continues He's to like, go off. no, the best part is all censored now. Uh, and, and that's fine. Jack was done. Yeah. One more weird thing that I noticed in this scene. I like how there's a basket of rolls where the cutlery is. Uh-huh. There should always be a basket of rolls always where the cutlery is. a basket of rolls I'm going to keep everywhere. rolls in my cutlery drawer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, um, it's SG-13 on the MELP. Mm-hmm. Um, Belinsky wants to stay, and the rest of the team doesn't. Of course, uh, SG-3 yeah. will come as backup, and in the in the meantime, they're going to send a UAV probe back and... Or no, they're going to send the dead probe back to the SGC so Sam can fiddle with it. So here's my thought, and I don't know how strategic military things work, but I would almost wonder... I mean, I don't. I would almost wonder, because he's like, I need two days. Two days feels like a very long time. Yes. So wouldn't you send crews that have other archaeologist people as part of them so that you can be there for 12 hours well it it, it, yes and no i think that would would possibly make a lot of sense but also they're like this place is completely deserted and we just killed the one probe that we saw that's fair so you know i i don't think i don't get the feeling that the other team doesn't want to stay because they're worried about something happening they just want to stay because they're bored mindless yeah yeah because i feel like my instinct would be like two days is too long you get twelve hours and then you come the fuck home. Well, you check in. But, yeah. You check in every six hours. That's true. And etc. That's so, fair. Um, but as they hang up, Jack um, hangs back with Hammond and is like, "Could you um, do me a solid, Hammond, sir?" And Hammond's way ahead of him. He's mm-hmm. like, "I will gladly send you on a mission so you can get away from it." Yep. And has Jack expressed his deep and unyielding love of Hammond anytime <laughs> recently? I do love that. And then as Emmett summons Hammond through Rundell, mm-hmm. Hammond's like, I wish I could go with you. Godspeed. Please take me with you. <laughs> Any and, other misery is better than this misery. In Hammond's office, Emmett wants more access. And mm-hmm. Hammond is like, um, no, that's not happening. Uh, he he's like again. I told you the letter of the orders I have. Yep. I am not giving you any leeway. No, and yeah, I'm not the person to ask for more. And from. and Emmett's like, what about Colonel O'Neill? And Hammond's like, he's unavailable. Sorry, gotta go bite. Mm. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Um, they're both super annoyed and super pissed at each other. And Hammond is like, I'm not resisting you. I'm following orders. Right, which he is. He, he is. is. He's being just very stickler. He's just not making it easy on it. Yeah. Because, and he has a very good point, Hammond does. Mm. Cameras don't just record things. Right. It's the Heisenberg uncertainty principle of cameras. They don't just record things. They change what they record simply by being there. That's true. People's actions change if they know they're being recorded. Yeah. Um, And... He doesn't want to put his people through a microscope. Like, they deserve better than that. This job is hard enough on everyone. They don't need to be put under this constant scrutiny. And and Emmett's like, but maybe it should be. You know, this is no different than journalists being embedded while people are under fire. Like, what's seen and what's heard, like, that is the truth. And people deserve to see that truth. Right, right. Both sides, hyper valid. (laughs) Super heavy points, both very good. Exactly. So when Hammond is done... Um, and his, his red phone rings, Emmett 
purposely misreads the signals and tries to wait around, and Hammett's like, No, no. You can get the fuck out now. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> um, just eye daggers out of his skull mm-hmm. towards Emmett. So Sam is playing with her new broken toy in her lab, mm-hmm. and, and Teal'c hasn't seen anything like this before. Uh, yeah, because it's from a galaxy far, far away. Um, I like this part because um, we just had the conversation with Hammond. I hope I can remember the thought again because I'm okay. not writing it down. But we just had this conversation with Emmett and Hammond mm-hmm. where he talks about the cameras change things just by being there. Yeah. Now, not... 30 seconds before this scene, the last scene, a camera shows up and changes things by being there. And yeah. now this camera yeah. has shown up, is here with Teal'c yeah, and yeah, Sam. Yeah. And it just love this, like, oh, this is a cool little catch. And what's fun is they're changing it into different ways. Yep. Yeah. You know? It's just changing things by being there. Ch-ch-ch-changes. <laughs> Turn and face the ghoul. Ch-ch-changes. Okay. So Sam asks if Teal'c does interview yet. Yeah. Another indeed. We got two indeeds in one episode. Wowza. Well, um, you gotta get them all in. Maybe they're Janet's favorite. <laughs> Who knows? Um, and and Sam is so surprised that Teal'c didn't say much, because usually you can't get him to shut up. <laughs> so chatty. Uh, and, and they I wanted- would love to see a drunk teal. I know it would take a lot of alcohol, <laughs> but like, like I'd love to get to see Especially a teal. Especially because there's no junior now to filter that's things. That's what I mean. But just a teal that's like, listen, listen, I got to tell you something. You know how, you know exactly what I imagine is the same thing you're imagining uh-huh. is drunk Karen yeah. from My Favorite Murder. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking like the I love you person. Oh, yeah. was like, I don't just drunk love you. Like, I, really I love, love you, you, love you. Like, you're my bro, man. Jack, just Jack. Listen, Jack. Jack. Just listen. Come here. Just come here. Li- come here. Come here. Jack, Jack, Jack. Jack, Jack, Jack. <laughs> you're my bro, Jack. Yeah. You're you're my best you're bro. You're my bro. You're my <laughs> best bro. You're my bro friend. Like, I love you, man. I love you, man. <laughs> Daniel, come here. Come here, come here, yeah. come here. You ascended. Like, you, I feel like he just loses it. You have the best hair. Can I just I know your glasses are fake, but it's hair? okay. It's okay. Can it's I borrow okay. your glasses? Yeah. Daniel. Can I borrow your glasses? I don't have junior anymore. My eyes are going bad. Can I borrow your glasses? <laughs> I love this. Part. Sam. Can we get a drunk teal? Sam. And he's like, can anybody have donuts? Let's go get donuts. Sam, you're party. <laughs> you're so party. When are you and Jack gonna kiss? <laughs> we all want you to kiss. You're like my best friend and I just want you to be happy. <laughs> Sam, come here. Can I bench press you? <laughs> I bet you can bench press Daniel. You can totally bench press Daniel. I bet Daniel and Teok have tried to bench press each other. Like, and not like a like a sexual no, way. No, no, no. Just literally seeing if they could bench each yeah, other. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say this. Knowing them, instead of actually physically bench pressing each other, they just weighed themselves like, and then put much that much weigh, weight yeah, yeah, yeah. on the thing to try to bench. Well, I feel like in my brain, that's how it's... Tra- like, they're having an especially <laughs> goofy training session. And it's like, how much you weigh? I could bench that. Come here, I'm gonna bench you. I'm gonna bench you. And then they're like, Jack, check it out. I can bench him. Ha- Hammond of Texas. Hammond of Texas. Can I rub your head? Yeah. You're can so shiny. Head? We have your head so much shinier than mine. <laughs> We're like the bald buddies. Look at our bald heads. <laughs> we once had a it wasn't even a party. We just had like people over and yeah. everybody just started showing up. 
And there was like an, a weird neighbor. It was a, f- a friend of mine's apartment. Yeah. And it was one of those like the hallways are indoors. So uh-huh. it felt very intimate. Like yeah, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, knew yeah. each other. And and someone like was touching the hair of one of the other guys. <laughs> and he ended up marrying one of my best friends. Yeah. And, she, and he's like. The weird dude just touched my hair. We're like, what? We're like, okay, worry, he, he doesn't does get to come over anymore. <laughs> no more weird touching of hair. Got it. Bye. Um, so the camera guy switches tapes while Emmett asks what off-world activation means. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm assuming you mean on a more global sense because the term itself kind of explains what's yeah, going on. Yeah. Uh, Rendell's like, yeah, I'm too smart to be tricked like that. Um <laughs> And, and we come down to the conversation that we started having between us at the beginning of this podcast about how much you can cover before you start jeopardizing the lives and current missions. Um, but at the same time, Emmett has a very different view of this in terms of what he's doing. He goes, right. this is a documentary. This is not the nightly news. Yep. You're not sending this out in real time on Gould TV. Right. You know, he can... You know, there's he's also been denied mission reports of things that have already happened, mm-hmm. you know, just because of what have they come close to global annihilation? Sure. Like what exactly? Yeah. Why he's can't I things this? together? He yeah. is. Um, he's like, you know, we can film these and then you can always say no later, but let's yeah. least get everything on film and the judgment can come later. Yeah, it's the idea. It's it. like you have to give me some access so I can show you what I'm doing yeah. here. Yeah, the frustration must be insane. Because there's a, a, the main thing is this is this is not going out real time. Yeah. And also there it's offensive. Because yeah, it's like, I have integrity. Exactly. Yeah, and you just refuse to to give me that opportunity to show you that. So the sound guy tries making a joke here, and it's bad timing. Yeah, don't, no, don't do not that. now. Yeah, um, and he he does remind Emmett though that he's like they are also airmen, like they're not going to do anything against orders. They're right. not going to risk course martial. So, you know, if no one can see this until it's all declassified, again, shoot now, ask questions later. Mm-hmm. Like Rendell's going, this is not my call. This is above my pay grade. I'm doing what I've been told by Hammond. Right. So. Just then the door behind him opens and it's Jack and he's like, fuck, turn around, too late, Yeah, shit. no, bite. And just kind of barrels through going, briefing. Yeah. And Emmett tells Jack that he is going to get him on camera sooner or later and even if just shots of him walking away. Uh-huh. Jack's like, great, hope Have you fun. like shots of my ass. Yeah. To be fair. A lot of us do. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, uh, so they interview Sam again in the control room this time. Yeah. Asking her how she feels about Jack. Mm-hmm. Interesting subject. Emmett. Very awkward. Um, and he, she goes on about how how amazing it is. He's a strong leader. He's given more of himself to this program than any man has given for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really get to spend much time outside work, mm-hmm. just because the the faculties of the job and their interests are as different as you can get. Um, and Emmett keeps pressing, but also Sam lets him. You press. can say that you have a boyfriend. Yeah, you can. You can say that. That's not an option because I'm taken. But also, again, you we have to remember in the timeline of the show, right. this was supposed to be... Before. This was meant to go earlier in the season. Okay, yeah, I can't be that mad at Sam. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, you can cut this conversation yeah. off real quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By being like, no, I'm taken. But I'm, and, I'm, and I will say this. I will say this as someone who I think... Is very like Sam in mm-hmm. some ways in in terms yeah. of her personal life. 
it took me a it takes me a very it took me a very 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 long time yeah to be able to use the term boyfriend oh with someone. yeah and see i or to jump even, in with both feet yeah to even be able to like try to articulate i'm in a relationship that yeah. took me a really long time so just yeah in that little corner of me that's very like sam yeah i can imagine especially when it's something like this that's official that's recorded right right i would try to yeah. not put any labels on yeah. anything and, and my situation's a little different with with domestic partner jesse <laughs> because we were friends for a while first yeah. but i day two i was like are we in or are we out because i ain't fucking around here and he's like no i'm in yeah and yeah. i was like all right cool <laughs> so Emma keeps pressing. Yeah. She's like, no, the relationship is professional. Mm-hmm. He keeps pressing. And she's like, look, dude, I know what you're trying to get at. I'm not yeah. going to deny that there's a bond, but this team is a family. Yep. And Jack is my superior officer. Mm-hmm. End of story. Yeah. There's nothing more to say here. And then he interviews Walter. <laughs> oh, I love this one. Dear Gary Jones, I love you. Yeah. Um, this scene is kind of amazing. He likes, you know, uh-huh. Walter likes to change it up at the end. And yeah. he says Chevron 7 locked instead of encoded. Mm-hmm. And also he gets to open and close the iris. And basically that's his job. Yeah. I, I mean, it's super rewarding. And then the SG teams really like to know that there's someone, a person on the other side when they send their iris codes. Mm-hmm. And, and he's going to open the iris for them. But it's I want a personal feel. It's what it look. I know this is meant to play as comic relief, but it's but it's true. so profound. It really is. He's like, look, I know my job may seem like nothing to you, and and yeah, it's a little repetitive. But I am here for these people and when they are. There's no other human contact. And I take he takes so extreme amounts pride. of pride in what he does. Pride. Yeah, and it's like. Yeah, it's supposed to be funny, and, yeah. but like the man is like, if my job doesn't get done, people's lives can be on the line. And it, again, I'm going to chalk it up to the magic and the spark of Gary Jones. He yeah. can play both those sides. It's just this idea of understanding that there is a greater machine and I'm yeah. part of it. Exactly. And if I don't work well, then this whole thing can fall apart. So it's like he doesn't. There's no sense of I'm not important here. Yeah. He's very aware of how important he, he is. is there. Which is a testament to 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 one, Walter, but also to the type of leadership that he has. Well, it's also the fact that I guarantee you, if you asked any of the SG teams, that's, yeah, that's they're what also I mean. they're Walter's important to yeah. them. Yeah. You may think he's just a guy who opens the door, but yeah. this is far more important exactly. to Exactly. Yeah. So then Emma goes to talk to Daniel without the cameras this time. Mm-hmm. And Daniel is going through his pack and Daniel and Emmett sees Daniel's camera and he knows there's hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of inscriptions and ruins and uh-huh. boring, boring, boring shit. Sometimes can you point the camera at something interesting? Yeah. And because, a shooty, shooty thing. Yeah. Well, when the shooty, shooty things are happening, I'm kind of shooty, shootying and running <laughs> and doing shit. And I can't be filming yeah. things for your own gratitude. Right. Uh, he's like, look, I don't want to put anything in danger. I'm just saying if the top opportunity arises, like, I'm a visual medium person and I can't go take this footage myself, right. anything would help. Yeah, yeah. And clearly want, Daniel wants to do anything but help this guy out. Mm-hmm. So Sam calls Daniel in to help translate the probe's uh, interface. And what's annoying Daniel about this whole documentary thing is it's entirely political posturing. Well, yeah, the motive for getting this thing moving. Yes. 
is different than what Emmett's purpose is. Yes, exactly. And that's the shitty part. Yes. Um, and, he, you know, he just, the outgoing president doesn't want to look bad when this program actually goes public. Right. And, and Emmett apparently asked Sam if she thinks it should go public. Mm-hmm. And Sam's response was just to babble incoherently. Yeah. Which I love. That's not a thing that, yeah. But it's also very Sam. Yeah. I'm just going to keep <laughs> saying words until some words make sense because most I'm of the time I'm purposely going to techno-babble you until you gloss over yeah. and ask a different question. Can you go now? Bye. <laughs> um, and they, they finally get into the probe. Dan, they'll read some technical stuff. But then also the probe activating a long-range communicator after it just encountered SG-13. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So that's bad. Yeah. Hammond calls to Colonel Dixon and tells him that the Gould might be on their way and to get home right now. Yeah. Roger that. They will be back in 15 minutes. He radios Wells and Bosworth, uh, who looks like they're out doing a walk around the woods, scouting the area. Yeah. Um, And just as they're about to head back, um, Wells is struck in the back by a staff blast and goes down and Bosworth opens fire standing over Wells to protect him. Mm -hmm. Dixon and Belinsky run, start running, go Get help. Emmett is now interviewing Janet um, and going over the insane shit that Jack and his body have been through in the past seven years. Three gunshot wounds, seven staff blast burns, severe hypothermia, nanite aging, shoulder pierced, three knee knee operations, the whole Hathor thing and Uh incurable disease. Yeah. Is that all? That's just in seven years. Yeah. That's not even his black ops stuff. No big deal. Um, Also, Siler's behind her injured. Of course he is. Well, I feel like he just wears his injuries like badges. He's like, you want to know how I did that? Yep. Staff weapon blast. Uh I asked for it, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So every day, she says, you never know what's going to happen. The whole upside is that they're on the brink of understanding so much more about medicine, who we are, where we come from, how we fit into the grand scheme of things, and sort of near the end of her going on and mm-hmm. on an off-world activation ends their interview yeah um, and he tells the crew to bugger off yep. um he's enamored as everyone is i'm sure and asks her to lunch and she's also kind of adorably she's like alpha in charge except yeah. like letting him flirt yeah like this is fine uh-huh i'm, I'm letting you leave this will, a little I will, bit i will let i'm interested Enough. in reading your brochure yeah um, it's all super awkward, but in a great way. <laughs> yeah. So Belinsky is back in the briefing room talking to Hammond, and Jack comes in and wants to know how many Jaffa there are. Belinsky's not sure. Maybe six? Dixon the, and, and the other guy, Bosworth, are, are holding their position, protecting Wells at this point. Yikes. Um, the Jaffa came by ship, and SG-3 is protecting the gate. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he hears that the gate is is in our hands, Jack is already out the door when Hammond tells him to take SG-5 and 7 and Janet. And yes, it sounds like an ambush, but there's nothing they can do. But what's the other option? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's nothing else to do right now. Yeah. So in the infirmary room, um, or in the in the commissary, I have to say, Emmett is flirting with Janet. Oh, and yeah. He's flirting hard. He's flirting real, real hard. And I'm really glad that they addressed this, because this is when I started you yelling. You were yelling at the screen. You I was have a wedding ring. I was so mad. Yeah. I was like, you're wearing a wedding ring, you and, gross, gross human. And then we... Guys, can we talk about how I clearly am very passionate about cheating? Yes. And not cheating? <laughs> Yikes. Apparently, it's a big-ass deal to me. Janet also mentioned 
mentioned, and very early on, she goes, so what's up with that ring you're yep. wearing? Yeah. Um, his wife died a few years ago, so yeah. he wears it for sentimental All reasons. Right, fair. And so Janet's like, okay, that story checks. I'm open to flirting again. Yeah. Um, and you've passed the next security. <laughs> you've 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 qualified for the next lap of yep, this race. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and she asked her about her personal life. She does not have one. She's like, no. All her free time is spent with her daughter. She's adopted. She's, there is no husband. I am flying solo as well. She's like, I am mom and doctor. Uh-huh. Like that is my life. That is my yeah. life. Uh, and you'd be lucky to have me. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, it's a very, very cute interaction. They're both openly flirting now. Yeah. And someone calls to, comes to call Janet away, mm-hmm. which we know is for the rescue mission. So Rondell and the crew are in the hallway as SG-1 runs down, it, ready for the mission, yep. geared up, action hat and action do-rag in tow. Um, Daniel and Sam both play <sighs> themselves in different ways. Jack is like, none of that shit matters now. Yeah. And the crew stares at them as they head off. And it's true, it doesn't matter. Like, this is where we are. And the end of episode one. Ah! Bad time's about to happen. Okay. Do we want to just head into episode two as if it's one story? Or do you want to pause here and reflect on anything? I want to take a second to focus on... We we still aren't sure. We know that um, Emmett's making a lot of noise and saying, yes. why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust yeah. me? But we have actually yet to see if we can. This we is We have very yet true. to see any proof. Um, this episode seems to focus a lot on just the buildup. Buildup yeah. and buildup. Including the sense of that the we end here with the guilt of like we've made this mistake. Sam's like I didn't see this coming. Daniel didn't see didn't see yeah. it coming. The uh, Joe Kennedy Jr. kid <laughs> blames himself. All these things, but it's like this is where we are now. Yeah, this is this. We're just in this weird space. And it's also one of those things where and all those decisions that led up to this, they're not decisions that you would necessarily change mm-hmm. if this if this situation happened again. Yeah. Like they're just it was roll of the dice shitty ha- things the, that yeah, happened. It, it was it's this idea of like nobody did anything wrong. No. This is just the situation. It's now. just how things roll. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. That's all I got. Because really everything happens. Everything after. happens here. So after. episode two starts with Rundell starting to get on their side, maybe the slightest little tiny bit. Um, and explain to Emmett that the crew got bumped from getting their shots of the gate for B-roll since SG-1 had to head out in full gear. Mm-hmm. Um, something, I mean, it was something big, but something big happens around here all the time. Right. So Emma takes his crew and runs after another team rushing towards the gate, which includes Janet. Mm-hmm. He's very frustrated because he can't figure out what's going on. And this is the stuff he wants to be filming. Right. He wants to know. He wants to be able to tell the story of like, these he, people. He, he's trying to tell a story, but the biggest aspect that will help him tell the story he's being denied access to. Because as Rondell says, he's not authorized to know it. Right. There's just so much she's... He's just not allowed anything. He's he's trying to make a film with both hands tied behind his back. Yes, yeah. So, and that is credits for episode two. So when we come yeah. back, we see more of Sam's interview. Um, this time with um, <gasps> with fancier shots of M asking mm-hmm. questions, cut in, uh, which is a thing that happens in, in these That's types the of documentaries yeah. all the time. Um, he tries pressing her on how the public will react when they discover the whole galactic war being raged without their knowledge thing. Uh, and she admits, she's like, that's not 
my call to make. That's not for me to say. Yeah. This is the part where she babbles. She that does. We talked about. But it's, I can feel her. She's like, I'm not the person in charge of me making those decisions. I don't decisions. get to make that decision. I don't ask that question because exactly. it's not my place to ask it. So we cut to the editing room and my mind cringes on having to edit in those small little tiny oh, screens. Oh god, I remember seeing them though. And I can't quite place which version of Premiere this is, but it's definitely Premiere. Yeah, it's like a... It's on a Mac. I, yeah. It's on I a Mac OS. It's a long, long... Well, I mean, what is it? 2004? 2004, or whatever version of Adobe was it was even called then. Premiere then? What was it back I then? I thought it was still... A, I thought it was still Premiere back then. I, I mean, no I didn't idea. start using Premiere until a few years after that, so I can't really say. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. You look it up. Um, maybe I was using pre- Premiere-ish then? I don't know. I know I wasn't using Final Cut. Um, I am going to look it up. Okay. First launched in 2003. Yeah. It's a, a Adobe uh, Adobe Premiere Pro. It's a successor of Adobe Premiere. First launched in 1991. Okay. So, Wowza. yeah, it's, pre- it's early Premiere, and I knew that for sure because it wasn't Final Cut or anything like that. So yeah, in two thousand three, they had the pro version. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the aspects of it are very Premiere-ish. Uh-huh. I mean, and I, it, yeah, it <laughs> hurt my design heart a little bit. So Emmett wants that whole question edited out. He doesn't want to seem like he's pushing her in any way. He'll find a better way of asking the question. You know, if if he think sorry, he finds a better way of him asking the question about how she thinks Sam thinks the world's going to react. And in the end, she hopes that people will understand ultimately why it was kept secret for so long and appreciate that everything the SGC has been doing. And yeah, keeping secrets like these are the hardest things about what they do around here. And I think that's very poignant that that's the hardest thing for them to do around there. Is is doing all this without being able to share any of it. Yeah. Uh, um, this is where we start to realize that, okay, Bergman is a good dude. Yeah. Emmett is a good dude. Because he, he's like, I don't want to make them look like this. Yeah. I don't want to make them look bad. I want to yeah. make them look honest and, and real and so who they are. Sometimes she looks around on what's happening on Earth and it makes her want to scream. And she wants to tell people that there's so much bigger things yeah. going on than what they think. And I'm like, just stab me in the heart a little bit more, Sam. Yeah. So then we get Daniel answering questions sort of in that same realm, but slightly different. He mm-hmm. talks about how people out there on other planets are no less human than they are. It's Their true. freedom means no less than ours means to us. Mm-hmm. And what Emmett asks if the people on Earth are entitled to their truth, Daniel's like, you can't handle the truth. I mean, he <laughs> says, he asks, he points to the camera, he's like, is this what this documentary is about? Truth? Yeah, because it doesn't feel like truths. So we go back and forth of them editing the video, and, and I love this very sort of real dialogue that Emmett has with how it's being edited and yeah. the questions being asked. And this is where you really, at least on the viewer's end, realize that, like, Emmett is a, a warrior for truth. Yeah, and, and they do this great balance of, yes, he's a good guy, he's looking for truth, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want a good story. No, exactly. Because he's also like, rearrange this here, put this here, I want this to come because, across. Yeah. Because finding the truth in a story and finding a good story are not mutually exclusive right, things. Right, right. Finding a good story is what make will make people interested in the truth of mm-hmm. the story. Otherwise, no, if no one's listening, who cares? If a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, then did it make like, a sound? Yeah. Um, if a ghoul falls on the planet and no one there was there to see, if a stargate I, is buried on a planet and nobody discovered the planet, 
what well, I'm done. In the end, the, guys, Emmett, the alcohol's kicking in. <laughs> in the end, Emmett is just really, really frustrated because he wants better footage to tell the story, like for good or for bad. The idea, um, you know, the idea that this makes the lunar landing look mm-hmm. like we are testing our toes in the ocean, and they yeah. don't have the shot of Shepard playing golf on the moon. This is boring to him. Yeah, that's true. By the way, that was Apollo 14. Um, ah. Shepard got to be the first American in space and the fifth and oldest human to walk on the moon. Oh. Um, and I think what is the most beautiful transition in the entire two-part episode, mm-hmm. we cut from Emmett saying how boring his footage is and how he just wants something real to... The middle of the one of the most epic it's, battle yeah. sequences. To storming the beaches of Normandy. Norm- yeah. yeah. Yikes. By the way, this planet is P3X666. That's not a good sign. <laughs> we should have known. Um, fire rains down from above in a massive firefight. It is way more than six Jaffa. It's a lot. Uh, this is a battle scene for the ages. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the most impressive battle scenes they've, they've yeah. done. And that suspected ambush is definitely it's real. It's definitely an ambush. And in the again, in the commentary, they talked about how they put so much power physical and mental and everything into this mm-hmm. battle sequence and it really is not the longest battle sequence we've had in the show it's actually fairly short <laughs> it but it just reverberates heavy. so yep. much through the episode there's just so much yes it's just the influence of it is mm-hmm. big and we hear over the radio that they're not going to be able to hold the the gate for much longer sg3 mm-hmm. and jack's like well i mean screw that we're not going to be able to hold anything for much longer yeah at this point we just want to be alive <laughs> janet calls over to the radio that she needs more time she can't oh, move wells yet this and, scene hurts like knowing what happens later yeah yeah and i'm pretty sure dixon wishes he had vera right now uh, <laughs> so Jack sees that some of the Jaffa are trying to get around them to a surprise attack, and as he gets up to go after them, he gets just a staff weapon blast, slow motion, directly yeah. in the gut region. We know it's bad because it's in slow motion. It's in slow motion. Mm-hmm. All of the noise bleeds out. Time yeah. slows. As he falls, we see an Alkesh fly overhead in just a really oh. beautiful juxtaposition, dropping explosions. We see everyone reacting to this. We see Carter yelling, um, and she makes her way over to try to check if he's even still alive right now. It's not good. And this is the part that is leading leading you to, you know, and here's the other thing. They lead you to think in this episode, maybe too heavy-handedly, maybe not, to think that Jack is the one that died. Yeah. But then also go back and think about the fact that they thought that this was their last season and they only had a couple episodes left. Right. This is a show, and and knowing, I think if they were pretty certain that this was the end of the show, mm-hmm. I would not have put them past them and even RDA saying, do this to kill Jack off here. Yeah, he needs to be done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because Jack doesn't... It's okay if Jack doesn't go into retirement. He's... He's... he's. I can see him retire, but I don't... Oh, can't it'd be see lovely. Him, he can't yeah. see himself ever retiring. Yeah. He already tried that once. It didn't go very well. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's the same thing as with As much Teal. as he constantly wants to go fishing. Yeah, for Teal, for Teal, definitely the most honorable yes. way to go would be in battle. But, you know, it's one of those where if Jack is going to go out, he's going to go out saving other people of his right. team. So, right. you know, it's one of those interesting things where you go, what could have been? <gasps> and if 
if they had been more confident that this would have been the end of Stargate at the end of the season, mm-hmm. would that may have been in more of a conversation to be had? Yeah, where they take them out. I, I just, it could have been. That's a, but I also wonder, I don't think you take him and Janet out in the same episode. No, no, instead of Janet. That's fair, instead yeah. Instead of Janet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, back in the gate room at the same time, Walter is showing Emmett around the gate and then yeah. going, here's the 50 caliber guns and yeah. here's the Space Invaders cabinet. Yeah. The manual override for the Iris. And I love how nervous he's he's like about, just kidding, it's not really Space Invaders. Well, actually, apparently that is based off a note they actually got from the Air Force about some scene at some point about oh, wow. how it's like, no, airmen on duty would never play games. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a little taken yeah. too seriously. I, but I, I love that it makes Walter come across as like, hey, I take this job for real. Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. haha, I was trying to crack a joke, but also I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to crack a joke because I take my job really seriously. Just then the gate starts up and Rendell tells them they have to go. Uh, Emmett gives no fucks and tells them to keep recording. Yeah. Hammond At just, this point, he's frustrated. He's, he's just done. He's, Hammond lays the law down with his tone for the control room. Get out now. You can hear Sam's radio that they have casualties yeah. coming in hot. And we see from the camera's view as, as Emmett tries to hold it down and record as they leave mm-hmm. um, and try to sink some footage of someone on a stretcher coming through the gate. And yeah, also, Del's if you're like, going to try to fake off. record, then cover the light. Yeah. <laughs> Cover the light. <laughs> to be fair, I'm pretty sure most don't have a giant red light that yeah. turns on. I'm pretty sure that's mainly for the Well, a lot of the TV it. ones do. Because it's like red light means recording. Yeah. But a little bit of duct tape never hurt uh, nobody. <laughs> so Emmett and his crew spot Sam walking down the hallway and they go to confront her. Fuck. This part sucks. Amanda tapping. Why must you put us in tears? Yeah. He he heard someone was injured, and she is in tears. And I think the most emotional that we've ever seen her. She yells at them to shut that damn thing yeah. off. And she's in like real tears. Like yeah. she's in like ugly cry tears. She's in legit ugly cry tears. Um, That's when I was like, Jack's fucking dead. And they killed Jack. And yeah. I'm yelling at a Nixie. She is yelling at me, also in tears. I was like, this is not okay. It's the first <laughs> sign that something very serious has happened yeah. and that we may have lost a member of this family. Fuck. As he leaves, Fuck. as he leaves, the camera guy turns the camera off and sort of Emmett lets his own emotions out here. Mm-hmm. The fact that he knows what he's doing, that these people are risking their lives for us, and I want to see what's going on, even if they don't want me to see it. Yeah. Because protecting and defending secrecy, the concept of defending <sighs> secrecy itself, is the work of Mao and of Stalin, of secret yeah. police. And when you force the press into the cold, all you will get is lies and innuendo, and nothing is worse for a free society than a press that is in service to the military and politicians. Let's take a moment and just let that sink in, and then we can continue. So he tells, like, guys, this is Nixie almost getting emotional. Yeah. And he tells the cameraman that he turns the camera off when he says to turn it off. And he doesn't give a damn what his military crew, this military around him, thinks of him. Mm-hmm. That they think they serve the people. The military thinks they serve the people. He goes, I serve the people. Yeah. So obviously the main beauty, this main heartbreaker, 
in this episode is Janet, the mm-hmm. loss of Janet, and the sacrifice not just the armed services make, but all law enforcement officers, CIA, FBI, sheriffs, cops, emergency crews. There's everyone. no doubt. There's yeah. There's no argument. There's absolutely none. But at the same time, I think. Speaking for me, and I'm assuming is for you as well. Oh, yeah. This touches this other spot that is extremely close to our hearts, which is of the press, mm-hmm. of journalism, and its place in the world. And I recently watched The Post. Okay. Um, which is about the reporting of the Pentagon Papers. Yeah. If you haven't watched this film, please do. It is stunning. There are so many heavyweights in this movie. It yeah. is mind-blowing. And there is this line that struck me so hard that after they said I had to pause I had to pause the movie and it happens at the end, mm-hmm. but I had It's from Judge Hugo Black who wrote the firm of the majority in this the the 3 the 6 to 3 Scotus decision that ruled for the press in this case. Yeah. And it says, quote, In the First Amendment, the Founding Fathers gave the free press the protection it must have to fulfill its essential role in our democracy. The press was to serve the governed, not the governors. Mm-hmm. Whew. Yeah, and that the press is to serve the governed, not the governors, is, I think, a line that struck me so hard. And I also watched the post Right after we watched Heroes for the first time, yeah, I was like, "Let's just punch all and of these really hearts." And it's really important to look at this phrase from all of the angles. Yes, because I think it's fair to say that media has become more than just journalist. It, it is. There's things out there that are media yeah. that also have forgotten this. Yeah. That the press is there to serve the people. The people. It is not, not to serve your money, no, or the th- your your boss. No, you're there to serve the people, which is shitty. Yeah. I understand it's shitty to put someone in that position and to yep. put blame on them, but it's important to see it from that angle as well as from the angle of, hey, we're not here to serve politicians. No, we're also not here to serve the money. No, we are here to serve the people. Exactly. And it's because important for us as media, as journalists, to, to remember let, that. To as, let the people make their own decisions, to yes. make their own minds, to yes. get the facts and to not necessarily report what you want me to report, yeah. but to report what I see as yeah. a first-person viewer to this and to 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 let more people into the room where it happens. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's also, it's I, I like to use this food analogy because I just, because I like food. I like food. But it's like, look, people want to eat McDonald's every day because it tastes good. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's the right thing to feed them. No. So... We can't feed the people McDonald's every fucking day. <laughs> no. Sometimes you're going to eat a Brussels sprout exactly. and it's going to taste like shit. But you're going to have to eat it. And that's what we got to do. <laughs> we can't just give the people what they want. Yes. And it's okay. And it sucks because we don't live in a world where that's rewarded. No. We live in a world where... Instant gratification. Instant gratification. If I want McDonald's, I get the, McDonald's. The ratings are going to be the people that give you what you want to hear. Yeah. The echo chambers are the ones that are the yeah, loudest. Exactly. And it sucks because how do you move through that? How do you make that change? There's plenty of shows out there that nobody's watching. That are some of the most profound reporting in the world, but it's because yeah. they don't have to get the same money to make the business work. Right. 
so it's I feel Emmett's frustration. And exactly. This is what Emmett's going through the entire episode. Like yeah. he's he's never going to film something that's going to compromise people. But he's also not here to make the film that Hammond wants him to make. Yep. Yep. It's it can't be that. It he's, can't be that. He's here to show the people what's going on in this place. Yep. And honestly, it's for better or for worse. Obviously, we think the best of the Stargate. Right. Like, and I think they do. I think the Stargate is 98% positive things to show. But there's some shitty things that have happened. Exactly. So Hammond runs a type ship. Like, this, whatever documentary and whatever he's able to film is never going to shine negatively on the SGC, but he's looking for the truth either way. And journalism, in its pure ideal form, is showing the public and letting them making decision on its own. Yeah. It's being non-biased. Yeah. Showing the truth. And, like, the the truth does not always happen to have two sides to it. Mm-mm. If there's no negative things going on at the SGC, he's not going to make things up. Right. The truth does not have always two sides. You can no. just show what's going on and people will make the decision. And sometimes the truth will be boring. The truth sometimes is the most boring thing that you could possibly dream of. But it should <laughs> still be what we report. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and Emmett wants to film all of this. And, and both the heroism of, of what Janet did in simply doing her job, but also the pain, the sheer raw pain that Sam is showing because of what happened when they came home yeah. without Janet. Yeah, that part. Not great. Oh, God, high horse. Okay. Deep breath. Deep breath. I'm going to need a drink. drink. Oh, dear God. Salute. Salange boy. Okay. And we're back. Ooh, that's, is that getting stronger? I think it's getting stronger. <laughs> Yowza. I think this is what happens when I let my emotions out of the small box <laughs> on my heart that I keep them in. Yeah. You, you know what? Your your emotions are like <laughs> like stormy on, on a leash when there's a squirrel. It's like at some point, the rest of your body went, fuck it, chase the squirrel. It's like, I don't always let them out, but when they are, they just take over my whole yeah. body. <laughs> okay. In the commissary later, we see yeah. there are janitors at the SGC. Um, I mean, is that basically the coolest janitor's job that exists? Yeah. Yeah. So, the, but camera guy and sound man come in. They got some scuttlebutt. <laughs> there are multiple injuries. Two people were hit with staff weapons and the basic, like, plot of the planet side of the last episode. Um, and there was one casualty, which, to be fair, casualty does not mean someone died, but Emmett's going to assume that, rightly so. Um, and yeah. Emmett knows, because Emmett knows Sam's not going to break down if it was just anyone. Right, he's he's smart enough to have figured that out. And Rundell comes in, um, and all he knows is Jack is on a gurney and not moving. Shit. Rundell oh! then brings Woolsey into Hammond's office. Yeah, fuck and this dude. without introductions, hands him a folder. The folder's from Kinsey. Mm-hmm. As the chairman of the Intelligence Oversight Committee, he oh, asked boy. that Woolsey review Hammond's choice of trying to rescue SG-13. Which I believe is a slightly dude. different name. But if if it's the same committee I'm thinking of, the real life, the real one's currently led by Senator Richard Burr. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's but it, I'm I'm more saying it's it's yeah. weird because we see Kinsey within this to yeah. thing to realize that Kinsey is like a senator. Yeah, you'd see him in the same things being interviewed as the other major names. I'm sure he is a majorly named like Grassley and and right. McCain was right. and Feinstein and and sort it's of name people know exactly. So. 
Hammond hasn't even written the report of this mission yet, and and when he does, it's being reviewed by the Air Force Chief of Staff and by the President, so I don't know how you expect to be doing an investigation on this thing yet. But Wolsey's here for more than just this one mission. He's starting an investigation into the SGC's strategic policy that the committee is preparing for the President. He has a number of interviews that he will be conducting. Oh boy. He has materials yeah. he needs. He expects full cooperation. And with that, he leaves. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck. Good times, because it's not enough to handle right now. Also, Hammond's left-handed. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I don't know if I've mentioned that before, but every time I see it, I'm like, Hammond's left-handed. Yeah. So Hammond goes to talk with Sam, oh, asking God. how she's holding up. Um, okay, Hammond. This one's hard. I know. I've been crying. We're not there quite yet. Okay. We're not there quite yet. We have business to do first. Good, good, good. Hammond had her ask Agent Barrett to look into Woolsey. He's clean. He's Mm -hmm. sharp as a tack. Uh, An MBA and an LB from Harvard. Should have been from Yale. Uh, But also, um, he was also asked to leave the Defense Policy Board since he had some financial ties to a company that was rewarded $800 million contract from the Pentagon. To me, that doesn't seem squeaky clean, but I can also say that it's tenuous enough that that could have been written off, like investigated and not been shady. And I will give a point to Harvard because Harvard Law is a name that we know. I was just saying it should have been Yale because it's Robert Ricardo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And... Uh, he's been with the NID since then, and she shows him a memo that he wrote for the NID, which will come back later. Oh, boy. But for now, just cooperate and tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a memorial service on Wednesday. He was hoping that um, Sam would say a few words. And then before he leaves, Sam asks how Hammond is holding up. God. And he pauses for a second to think about that. And this is where... This is one of a couple scenes where Donis Davies proves that he is one of the most beautiful, quiet actors you've ever seen. Uh-huh. And he goes, well, you tell yourself that every person in your command means the same, much like children, I'm sure. Yeah. You can't help to get closer to some. And I think if, if they didn't have the positions that they had, there would be a family hug right here. Yeah. It's incredibly telling that Sam can ask him this question. Yes. Knowing what we know about Sam and her, the importance of position and respect of this authority and of the chain of command and rank. It says a lot that she even asked him. And I and I do wonder if not only let's be honest, it's SG-1. Yeah. It's different, but also because this is the daughter of one of his best friends. Right. But just the fact that she asks him and then that he answers honestly. He answers honestly and he answers in a way that you can Fuck. tell both both Hammond and Don are a fraction away from breaking. Yeah. And I think this is one. Janet is someone who Hammond did shed tears for in private. Oh, yeah. Um, Even like Janet is is. Janet is even different than SG One. Like yeah. he loves SG One like they're his own children. But 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 something about Janet to me it's, feels like it's, a it's like an a rock. equal. Yeah, it's like a right hand. Yeah, it, it, she she yeah, D- different than like the team that goes off. Yeah. It's like the kids who go and storm the castle. Yeah. She's there. This is mom. Yeah. If, Hammond's if he, dad. Yeah. If he's dad, then she's mom. Yeah. yeah. Whew. Um, and Don puts us all basically in tears in this moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then we cut to what is basically an interrogation room. 
Wolsey sets up his recorders and we see him interviewing people interchangeably in a scene that is beautifully done, Mm. beautifully filmed and executed. Um, Starting with Sam, none of these people give any fucks. No. They have no fucks to give. They don't need to be here. They don't want to be here. They've experienced so much. There's no room for feeling anything about this. They are raw electrical energy right now. Yeah, and this is a great place for them to let off anger. Um... Wolsey says the stakes around here are always high, but in this case, they lost someone of great value to the program. And she's like, do you not think that we don't know that? You, uh, yeah, fuck you if you think you understand yeah. this better than we do. And and so we cut to Daniel, and he's being questioned why Daniel thought it was safe for SG-13 to remain on the planet. And he's like, first of all, that wasn't my call. Right. Second of all, this is what we do. Yeah, literally, this is our job. And Wolsey goes, what, make bad decisions? And Daniel's like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> he goes... Um, yeah, playing Monday morning quarterback on this stuff is really right. easy. But right. if we had found powerful weapons on those ruins, we wouldn't be having this conversation right, right now. Right. And, and he's like, well, I mean, we didn't and we are. Yeah. And Sam personally doesn't care if there's weapons there. You don't leave people behind. It's mm-hmm. the end of the story. Yeah. This is, th- this is how the job works. Wolsey also reminds her that she's been on missions herself where she knows that there's no backup, that there's always a possibility of going through the gate. And like it or not, there are situations where one human being is considered an acceptable loss. She's like, that wasn't this, though. That's not what this was. That's a completely different story and concept. You know, it's it and it wasn't dumb luck that we didn't lose more people. It was skill, training and fortitude. Yeah. So don't come in here thinking like you know things when you're not here. Don't come in here acting like you would have made a different or better decision uh, in the moment. This is our house. Yeah. This is our house. And we know what we're doing. You can't shake us into thinking that we did something wrong. We did what the fucking thing was to do. So then we cut to Teal'c. Yeah. Who says nothing. Yeah, because that's what Teal'c do. And then Wolsey presses the fact that he will either talk to him now or he will have him jailed until he does. But I'm, we see a, that I'm allergic to feelings. He is, <laughs> he's not talking to Teal'c. He's talking to Daniel. Mm. And Daniel, remember how we love Daniel so much in this episode? Yeah. I love this With part. all of the disdain and the fuck you that he can muster, he just picks up the mic to make sure that Wolsey can hear him real clear. Mm. Calls his bluff and says, you can fire me, you can throw me in jail, you can do what you want. And just nopes out of there. Yep. Done. Bye. It's so good. Yeah. Because really, at that point, if that's what it took, then Daniel would be like, fuck this. Yeah. I'm out. I'm done. If this is how this is going to be run, then I don't want to be part this of it is, This is where I live now. Yeah. This is this is where I live. With the and the the nun fucks of the world part town. So Daniel is taking his anger out on his keyboard. Uh-huh. So and Emmett comes to talk to him. This is not a good time for Daniel. No. Um Emmett just wants some confirmation about what he's been hearing. And yeah. he sees Daniel's... I will say that Emmett made a good call in appealing to Daniel of all the people. Yes. As as rough as this is. As rough as this is and I think there's a cynical side of you that can say that what Emma is going to do is just trying to get information. But I think yeah. he is being honest here that this is what he truly Well, and believes. I think if you asked Emma, he'd say, I do want to get information. He does. I'm not, there's no but hiding not, that that's a motive. But he's, he's, uh, but Emma's not using Daniel's emotions Correct. in like a nefarious way. He's Correct. going, let me tell you why I want yes. this. Yes, yeah. So... 
We get a flashback to Wells in the forest. Janet and Daniel arrive. Daniel is the perfect triage nurse for Janet yeah. in a situation like this. I actually think that he, I can imagine he took some lessons from Janet. Oh, yeah. For cases specifically yeah. like this. Um, well, if you think about it, if it's just the four in the team, he would be the guy would be. who would take up that mantle. So Wells fears he's going to die. It's our backup cleric. Not if Janet has anything to do with it. Ooh, back, I like backup cleric. It's a good band name. <laughs> so they, band name. they flip him over as Janet goes to work and Daniel tries to distract him talking, you know, your wife is pregnant and things like this. Yeah. And he he cries out in just sheer pain. And oh. these whole scenes with this actor... I don't know where he found, like, the strength to keep screaming out like this, this because it is painful to watch. This was one of those tough ones that was hard to watch this morning as we were th- as I was thinking about Veterans Day and about yeah. the things that people had to do or and still have to do in, yeah. in situations where it's like, look, this is the only way to fix you. Yeah. There's no pain meds here. Nope. There's no surgery center. No. We're a little bit fucked. And then I think of the situations where they were like, the best we can do is just drug you up. Well, and it's also just the mental fortitude that that these people who are in triage situations where you don't have any meds to hear that screaming. And just keep fucking and going. And to know that I know this hurts and you're screaming and you feel like I'm killing you right now, but yeah. this is actually trying to save you. And yeah. to keep going going when you hear someone scream yep. like that and know that this is the only way through so um Ooh. yeah and janet although janet to her credit is like if you felt it that's good yeah it means if, you're alive if you feel it you're still alive it's such a great it works there in the practicality of it but it's such a great thought that i've actually uh um used before yeah I've, and i've heard you it, where it's like i feel like shit emotionally physically uh-huh. everything hurts and i want to die but the fact that it hurts means i'm not dead yep well i'm fine i'm not crying <laughs> you know that comic with the guy in the room that's on fire yep this is fine this is fine so then we hear the earlier radio conversation that they can't hold the gate and janet replies that they can't move wells yet yeah so wells like go on without me they're like we're not that's not that's happening. not happening um, and it's, he's extremely, as I think anyone would be, extremely fatalistic right now uh-huh. um, about not being able to see his son. He just wants Daniel to relay a message to his wife. And, and Daniel takes out his camera after a nod from Janet, that nod of he, he may, may not, not get see his wife and his newborn kid. Yeah. Back in the present, Daniel grabs the camera and is basically just, again, fuck off. Yeah. And is actually getting physically aggressive in a way that we don't see Daniel use his size very often. Like, Daniel is a tall dude. Yeah. So, and it's a, we don't see him using that physical presence very often this way. I'm going to run while you talk. And as Emmett um, tells Daniel about um, Martin Kristofsky, Daniel doesn't want to hear any of this. I looked it up. Pretty sure he was made up for the show. But there is a very famous photo that's, I think, similar in feeling, and it may have been half the inspiration. It doesn't show anyone dying, but um, there's uh, a photo by Art Greenspun that's a great Times article about this called The Best Photo from Vietnam, One Photographer's Defining Image of War. Uh Um, Art himself has this amazing life. A week after the photo was taken, he was hit in the face by a spent shell. 
When he came home, he went to work for the New York Times, then went into finance, and then at 69, got his master's in clinical social work and went on, it, to help, went on to help veterans recover and deal with PTSD. Wow. Yeah. What a fucking dude. And so this image is, is there is, there's one soldier who is on the ground in the jungle, very injured, this very pained face. And you have someone else who's waving, who his arms are sort of flung up. It almost looks when you first see it, like he was just shot. Oh. But he's actually trying to wave a med helicopter oh, in. Oh, wow. And so it's this very striking, very contrasty black and white photo. And yeah. he tells in this article about how he was like, I don't even know if I have a shutter speed that's going to capture this. He got like but three shots try. off. And, and sort of the process of all these people he ran across before he could take this photo. Wow. Also, Daniel still has Jonas's fish. That's really sweet. I didn't catch that. There's yeah. so much emotion in this I scene. I know. Um, Martin's story is so beautifully written, and and Saul delivers it so poignantly. Um, and the, the story is about this photo that's the moment a soldier saved his life, was shot in the head, and killed. Mm-hmm. And and I don't, not quite yet, but you can tell this gets under Daniel's skin and starts to mull there. Yeah. Because he's not wrong. Starts marinating. And 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 Daniel's, like, spidey senses kick in of, like, he's, there's something the, to this. And he is. It's right. Daniel's the one person who's going to be the fastest to sort of turn around. To, well, and to absorb that. To be able yeah. to process that. And Emmett <sighs> says that if Daniel did get something on tape, nothing's going to change what happens. But sharing it may change how Daniel feels about it. And I want to sit on this for a minute. Yes. Because I actually have... Um, that line specifically hits a note that's been very raw for me lately, and I'll tell you why. So, again, he says, nothing can change what has happened. What can change is how you feel about it. Uh, so I recently started listening to a podcast, um, and I just lost the name of it. But <laughs> it is the the daughter of the Happy Face Killer. Oh, it's yes. It's actually called Happy Face. You told me about that one. So it's this woman who is now in her 30s. Her dad is a guy who killed a lot of women in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Happy Face Killer. Currently jailed, the Happy Face Killer. There, in one of the recent episodes, she meets the son of the last woman he killed. Yeah. And it's a two-part episode. And... If these incredible things happen where she's like, I'm really scared. I don't know what he's going to yeah. do. I don't know if he's angry at me yeah. because in her mind, it's her dad. So she feels this sense of guilt. Yeah. Um, and it's this incredible episode and this incredible. You hear the anger in this man's voice about his mom being dead and you hear the amount of hurt. But he says to her, he goes, look, you cannot change what your dad did yeah he killed my mom yeah and that is fucking shitty yeah but you didn't do it and you can choose to sit and live in this ugliness Mm -hmm. of what your dad did or you can choose to have your own life yeah and it hits the same note yeah and it's this idea that sometimes we get in our own heads and we decide that this is what happened and now we have to like Absorb, absorb we ha- it. And we it, have. It's almost like we have to flog ourselves for yeah, reasons like that are on to, us. Yeah, and it's like you can decide to not feel this way about yeah. this thing. Yeah, you can decide to feel differently and 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 take back this control of your life. Mm-hmm. So in a ve- from coming from very different angles, I just yeah. I felt like that message came to me. This it, week. it is. It's the same Holy concept. Shit. It's the same concept. Yeah. Daniel can hold on to this and and. Basically, let it weigh down his soul. Yeah, and and or see and see it as 
my one of my best friends getting killed yeah. or you can see it as one of my yeah. best friends saving someone. Yeah, and and at the risk of getting heavier in an already heavy episode, <laughs> yeah. what a fucking lesson to teach us. Yeah. Uh it's our choice. It's our choice. It's our choice. Wow. Okay. <sighs> okay. Done. So and it's Hammond's time to talk to Woolsey, and he just shows up, hands him his written testimony, his mm-hmm. mission report, kill two birds with one stone. And Woolsey's like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to give my preliminary report to the president by the end of the week. Yep. And we learn what the memo was that Sam found. Uh-huh. And you understand why <laughs> Hammond is even more pissed than he was when he first met Woolsey. Yeah. That memo is about the economics of the SGC. Fuck this, and he dude. put a monetary value on the SGT members. Uh-huh. Woolsey defends his memo. And, and while I don't agree with the heart of it, I can... He's like, look, this wasn't putting a value on the lives. It was looking at cold, hard numbers at how much it costs to train them and putting the money into the SGC. If he made some correlation at the end of the report, he shouldn't have. But I can see how you would have a report on the economics. This is what things cost. The breakdown of what everything is costing. Yes. And I have a hunch that he made an analogy at the end he shouldn't have that ruined the entire color of this memo. He thinks, you know, Hammond, or sorry, Woolsey thinks it's reprehensible that the public is paying tax dollars to wage a war that Mm -hmm. they know nothing about. And they're just... Both of them are toe-to-toe. They're literally standing up, staring at each other, leaning on the table. Neither one of them is going to budge. Yeah. Um, Hammond reminds him that Woolsey is the one suggesting that sending a rescue team worth $27 million to save the lives of one is a bad business decision. Fuck. And then he wouldn't do this if this wasn't all classified. Yep. And, And he's like, look... The documentary crew's here right now. Why don't we go talk to them? Yeah. And give them the truth as, as Woolsey sees it, Hammond says. Yeah. But Woolsey reminds him that the memo is classified. This investigation itself is classified. And if you breathe one single word of it, I will put you away in a cold, dark place for the rest of time. And he leaves. Yikes. And Hammond, like, he's a mixture of so frustrated he could shake and punch a wall and also a bit taken aback. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in right now. And Don plays it very well. Yep. Um, so it's this is the state that Hammond's in when Rendell finds him mm-hmm. in the hallway and says he found Emmett sneaking around the infirmary. Hammond's like, get his ass out of here. I Throw am his done. Ass out. Yeah. None of this mo- I'm just He's done. just pissed. Yeah. And when Dell passed that message on to Emmett, it does not go well. Nope. Emmett tries to say something to Hammond. Thank God for Emmett and, like, his own willingness to stand up to Hammond. Because really, at this point, they're the best allies that they have. Each other. Um, He comes in without even knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. Hammond's like, you have one hour to get off my base. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) And out of my sight forever. And he's like, you can call whoever you want on the payphone upstairs. No, you can't use my red phone, you putz. This is yeah. not a state you want to cross Hammond in. Mm-hmm. And Emmett, for his thing, backs down, but not before he slams the door. Yeah. Whew. And at this point, there's been some maneuvering scenes behind. Mm. Hammond shows up to Daniel's office, and he's been ordered to hand over the tape. He's not happy about it. The tape can disappear, but at the same time, he's kind of... 
He's like, with the NID now looking at us and this investigation going on, hmm. he's been rethinking this. And maybe having some report be on the official one might be good. Yeah. You know, having some third party that it's not just a he says, he yep. said, she said. Yeah. And right now, Emmett is all there is. Like, trust him or not, he's all we got. Yeah. Yeah. He's bet- it's the, the only thing left that we can possibly count on. And then Ooh. we see Liz, Daniel slamming the tape down on the briefing room and leaving without a word. Oh, this part's hard. Okay. We will... We'll, okay. We're going to make it through. Okay. He takes it to the editing room and they put it in. Rendell mm-hmm. comes in at the same time, saying that the preliminary mission report has been declassified. Okay. On the tape, uh, Wells says some... He, he, Wells tries to say something. He just ends up just screaming in pain, mm-hmm. um, telling him to shut it off. He doesn't want his wife to see him die. Uh, Janet comes in frame telling him he's not going to die. She didn't take come all this way out here for nothing. And he's going to get home with his family. Mm-hmm. And with that, in a moment, a staff blast hits Janet and she falls out of view. Yep. And we see the whole edit room shaken by this. Apparently they actually played this on the screens for the actors oh, wow. in the room. Because it's 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 done again. The actor who plays Wells pours so much into this. It is so hard to watch. Yeah, and you're so caught up in that. You're so invested that you don't have anything left. You don't have any defenses when Janet no, falls. No, because you're already down. Um, and we see in Daniel's video Janet down. Her wounds still smoking. And yeah. Daniel screaming that they need a medic. Which that is also... That's, I think, like, that's the part that's too much to hear because we know Daniel. Like, yeah. we know what point the situation has to be. We've never heard Daniel scream in, in quite that way. Yeah, in fear. Like, it's just fear. Yeah. Um, and they turn it off and Rundell confirms it. Um, Jack and Wells are alive. Damn. Janet didn't make it. Ain't no party like a Stargate party <laughs> until the cleric is dead and we're out of potions. So Sam visits the infirmary. Um, Jack is up and around, but tender. The new vest inserts are the ones that saved his life. Yay, vest. Um, didn't help Janet, though. Nope. Cassie's strong. She's a survivor. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, she's always going to have the support of this family. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's this never going to. She's never going to be without people. And Sam tells Jack that or tries to tell Jack that when he was lying there she can't even get the words out mm-hmm. she basically just says when you were lying there um, and for anything Jack pulls her into a hug yeah. and it's so beautiful because for that moment they're just two people they're they're not they're yeah. everything else they're just two people who almost lost each other and lost a true a, a it's good like friend. fuck rank fuck all these other things all we can do is be here for exactly. each other right now yeah and it's really really it's a really beautiful Sam gets two really good hugs in this episode yeah. and I feel Sam getting these hugs is like us getting these hugs yeah well and if it, she needs them the most this was her yeah. best friend yeah yeah so. Um, hey, Grace, don't yeah. ever go to a planet to save someone. Got it. Okay. Got it. So, <laughs> Daniel checks in on Wells in the infirmary. Wait, he's... who gets to be our Teal'c? Uh, no, I think Nick is the Teal'c. That's fair. Because he's the quietest out of all That's of them. That's fair. Yeah. I was going to go with Stormy, but Nick works. Nick Nick is tall. <laughs> he is tall. And he's the quietest. He's the one most likely to just sit there and just not talk at the camera. Yes. Got it. For sure. <laughs> um... 
so Dana goes to check on Wells in the infirmary. He's recovering, and his wife is due in just a few weeks. Um, oh. He should be out of here by then. And Wells feels guilty um, <sighs> that Janet died because of him. And Daniel's like, no. That's not how this works. In no way is that how it happened. She died because a Jaffa shot her. She mm-hmm. was doing her job. Yeah. The same way that a Jaffa shot you while you were doing your job. Yep. And it's not going to feel right. There's nothing about it it's that's not right. right. It's just not. But yeah. it's also not your fault. Yep. Yep. So in Sam's lab, she's trying to form the words for the memorial for the eulogy. Mm-hmm. And she's just ugly crying again. Yeah. And Teal comes in. Sam has to go soon to pick up Cassie, but Teal has this piece of paper. Mm-hmm. He pondered what he would say if he was given the chance to speak at the memorial, and he thinks it would be best coming from Sam. I love the thought behind this, too, is that Teal would have loved to speak at this funeral. Teal's hurting, too. Oh, yeah. And this is Teal's way of healing this. Like, look... I'm not going to sit here and be mad about not being able to speak at my friend's memorial. But I wrote these words. But can you say these words for me? And also, I think because Teal'c, I think, knows Sam enough that knows Sam would be having problems finding finding words, words for yeah. these. And so he's like, I wrote these. These are for you now. These are Yeah, here are some words for you. Talk about teamwork. Yeah. So um, Emmett was told that Daniel was in the medical isolation room. And it's mm-hmm. dark, and there's a single spotlight. Um, and yeah, Daniel's in there, sitting in the dark corner. Yeah. Emma comes in and puts the tape back on the bed. And he's like, I'm not going to use this. Shit. Daniel wants him to, though. Mm-hmm. And he tells Emmett that this is the room that he died in. Yeah. And I wonder if he's visited this room before, if he gets willies going in there or something. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, God, that's got to be weird. He says Janet didn't sleep for three days. Doing everything she could. Yeah. And he thought about Krasovsky and the story that Emmett told him. Mm -hmm. And that tape shows what Janet was about. Yep. And he wants people to know that, to see that. And he hands the the tape back to Emmett, who leaves, leaving Daniel in this room to grieve. Mm -hmm. And he looks up. And, like, I find that interesting, him looking up, going, I guess, is he wondering if Oma is there or something? Maybe, or maybe he's looking to Janet, looking to spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. So, now the memorial service. Yowza. Before I get serious, okay, just to, before I get into this, (laughs) I just want to ask how the flagpole and the podium are upright because they're on a ramp. Uh, Reasons. There's a little wedge underneath them. <laughs> also, the entire team looks amazing dressed up. They just they just put a lot of those like wood shims. Uh-huh. Just a lot of them. Just that's just what caught me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now. Yeah. Tap starts playing. Uh, of course. Which no song guts me more than taps. Yeah. No matter when it's played. Um. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sam steps up, um, and starts to speak. That Janet was extraordinary, kind, funny, talented, courageous. There was nothing that she could think of to say that could do justice to her life. But thankfully, she had some help. Yeah. Um, Words alone won't be enough, but there are some names that might. That people talk about those who give their lives for the service of their country. And Janet did, but that's not what her life was about. Right. And she starts to read off the names of those people who did not die. 
that are alive today because of Janet. Get it, girl. Get it, Janet. Daniel, Jack, Teal. She continues naming names as this blends into Emmett's video. So many names. Imagine, imagine at the end of your life being able to have a list that long of like, these people exist still because of you. Yeah. Damn it. Um... And it fades into Emmett's video as he narrates over candid shots of the SGTs. Yeah. And I do love, even in the commentary again, how they even remark about how sort of patriotically cheesy it is to have oh, the American yeah. flag waving of over course. these images. Of course. But of course, Hammond's going to lap that up. Yeah. It's his favorite part. It's his favorite part. So Hammond is watching this in his office, and you can see Hammond and Don. Aww. They're kind of the same person in my yeah. head fighting back emotions. Yeah. And in the end, he thinks that it's a shame that no one will ever see this. And you can feel this, like, moment of relief mm-hmm. from from Emmett that Hammond, of all people, likes this final part. Yeah, product. that's a big deal. They and, realize that they're all there for the same purpose. And Hammond is big enough to admit when he's wrong. Mm-hmm. And Hammond has written many letters to Next of Kin, and he feels like just writing that letter is not enough. That they deserve more, and that this is more. Mm-hmm. And... There is one thing that could make this video a difference for the film, and Hammond knows what it is, and he'll take care of it. And apparently Don was... Don is already apparently just a ball of emotion at all times. Shit. Um, just as a person. Yeah. But this scene was apparently extremely difficult for him oh, to get through because God. he lost friends. Damn. You know, he knows people who who were lost yeah. fighting and in service. Um, so he apparently had a very, very hard time it, with this last scene. On top of the earlier scenes he had to do for yeah. the show. Yeah. So Daniel knocks on the door to the Wells' house. Yeah. With a teddy bear. Let me talk about how cheesy this... Like, he, he takes the bear and does this weird but little, we like, I'm care. a bear. But we don't care. He's, we don't care. Oh my god, you're such a... If anybody else did that, I would cringe. <laughs> but because it's Daniel, we don't care. It's like, of course, yeah. <laughs> and he goes in to meet Wells' wife, Marcy, and their daughter. Mm-hmm. The sonogram was wrong. Of course. And of course... Of course! is Janet. Of course it is! It should be no other name. Janet the Cleric of All, that is amazing. It should be absolutely tribute. no other name. Yes. <laughs> If they did not name her Janet, it'd be like, what the fuck? What do you mean? And I do look like the wife kind of looks over like, no shit, we named her Janet. Why do you even ask that? (laughs) Yeah. And um, (laughs) if it was a boy, would it have been Daniel? It would have been Janito. Janito? Janito. What's what's something like Jan? Um, Jan. 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 There you go. (laughs) I just called her Jan. Uh, and in the in the end, Jack sits down with Emmett, and finally Rundell and Emmett yeah. are calling each other by the first names, it's and good times. they go to Jack. First question. Oh, the end. You can also tell just by this episode how much the production itself and the Air Force worked together yeah. and and supported each other. Holy moly, this episode! So, Grace, where does this go in your top five of the season? Um. It's pretty up there. <laughs> like, to the top. Are we taking over Lifeboat? We are taking over Lifeboat. Um, I think I'm going to drop Fallout. Okay. Yeah. 
keep birthright? Yeah. Okay. For a little bit. Uh, yeah, this goes on top of fragile balance. Dang. Just, um, and I think this kicks. T- uh, this actually kicks. I think birthright off my list. All right on. Wowza! This episode, we guys. Have two indeeds. <laughs> um. So that's heroes. This is it's tough. It's ha- at this point, I feel this sense of relief. Like it's done. Yeah, it sucks. But we've watched it now. Yeah, <laughs> we've made it through the recording. We made it through the recording. There's just like, it's done, and it sucks. I I still I haven't quite processed that Janet's gone. Yeah, but. I'm kind of glad we're through this episode. And there's, and, and you if know, you listen through this whole thing, we've been going fuck, for over two hours thank now. You. Holy um, crap! And you can, because at some point it stopped being funny. I know. <laughs> we warned you up top. I have none funnies left. We warned you up top. Um, but yeah, there's a reason that this. Was I need an episode to eat like an apple fritter right now. We like can stop and shove it. We can one. stop and get some apple Let's fritters. Do it for D and D. But there's a reason this is an episode. Obviously, that people have been waiting for us to get to. Yep. Have been waiting for you to see. This yep. is a touchstone turning point of Stargate as a whole. Fuck and fuck. Yeah. And again, this is a testament to this series that you can have this episode with that type of roller coaster that goes from things that are truly amusing and funny and sweet to the depths of emotional soul that this thing cuts into you. Thank God for the drink because it's the only thing that kept me from falling Uh, apart. Like right now I'm like, I don't feel feelings. (sighs) Welcome to my world. I'm a little bit sick to my stomach. (laughs) I'm going to lock my emotions back in the Uh box for a while. Shove them way down in there. Way up there, Morty. Alrighty. You know where to find us. I want to hear all of the feels, the feel, all the feels. Tell, Tell us me what you about think about your thoughts of this episode. Find us on Twitter at Tara Podcast. Find us on Facebook at There's No Place Like Tara. Email us at There's No Place Like Tara at gmail.com. And patreon.com slash There's No Place Like Tara. Uh, like us, rate us, review us. We love you guys. You're awesome. This is a tough one. Bye. Bye. Yay, we made it. <laughs> oh, dear God, we're done.